For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mendel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel, we welcome you to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show live on location at number two Donald Street, the Farmery Brewing retail location. As you can see, it's Ezzy's dream come true. We are surrounded here this morning by beer. Hopefully, we'll be able to keep him sober for the next couple of hours. It's a beautiful thing to be surrounded by this much <laughs> beer, boys, this early in the morning. Fantastic. You haven't had this much beer near you at uh, 9 a.m. since you were probably, what, about 15, 16? 16 years old, something like that, waking up from a bit of a, a, a rager, as the uh, kids say. I don't know if the kids say that. I have no clue what the kids say. To be honest, 15 or 16 is a little bit younger. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but... I, was maybe, us, like, I don't least, know what you were doing I, on the like, mean streets of Tuxedo yeah, there, Mindell. Yeah, true, like, at least give me like 18 or 19, 15 or 16. Like I'm a teenage alcoholic. Like What's going on here? But, yeah, yeah, as our shoe fits. As is our boy Bruce says. Can't can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. Isn't that a great philosophy? So that's why we're here live at Farmery Brewing, number two, Donald Street. Come on down. You can watch us do this program. You can pick up some beers of your own. They have both alcoholic and non-alcoholic <laughs> options, of course. And the wall of IC beer. The wall of IC beer behind Dave there. Hopefully that won't uh, tumble down onto him and crush him uh, at what any way, point. As my Uncle Benny would have said, what a way, what a way, to, way go. to go. <laughs> What a way to go, indeed. Uh, anyways, good evening, good morning to everyone. We're thrilled to be here at Number 2 Donald Street Farmery Brewing for this morning's edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. couple minutes delayed, but all praise, of course, to producer Tim, who gets us on the air, because if the three of us had to do this on our own, we would be in way more trouble. Tim makes us sound good. Tim makes us look good. So we're thrilled to be here, as usual. Gentlemen, talking about the Winnipeg Jets, I got to say, guys, before we get into the Jets, we've got two hours of Jets talk coming your way. It is a sneaky, great day in sports. There are not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, six college football bowl games, three NFL games. You have, of course, the main event of the Jets and the Avalanche later on tonight. And, of course, the IC post game show right around 12 hours from now, give or take, at 9 o'clock. And then it's all capped off with Saturday Night Live at 10.30. I think there's more football games even happening. Kentucky and North Carolina, Battle of Blue Bloods playing college basketball. Oh, Dave and I will be watching every second. I know you would be. I know. We love our Kentucky football. It's basketball. Sorry, basketball. It's basketball, (laughs) dork. Listen to what I say. You were talking about college football. Yeah, no, college football is it's the start of bowl season it's a great day if you have no responsibilities to kick your feet up and just watch 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 and maybe drink a few 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 of the farmer like beer it, Drew. nicely done us. there thank you anyways just wanted to mention how great of a sports day it is on this saturday morning but we're here to talk of course about the winnipeg jets and this has really been a a, a newsworthy week for the winnipeg jets a lot of good <laughs> on the ice little bit of bad or more than a little bit of bad off the ice as it pertains to the Kyle Connor injury uh, earlier, uh, you know, earlier this week when he gets injured uh, last Sunday against the Anaheim Ducks. But, you know, by and large, I think the Jets showed a lot this week in a lot of their victories the come from behind win in Anaheim, the victory against the L.A. Kings, another come fi- come from behind win. So this Jets team, I mean, we've talked about it on the post game show, but they're showing a lot of fight and they're showing a lot of edge. 
you know, we have, and I want to get to also Gabe Velarde's comments post game yeah. on, on on Thursday night because those sort of came out after the post game show ended, mm-hmm. uh, and so we didn't really have an opportunity to address them uh, on, on Thursday. But he really played. He played with a chip on his shoulder and wasn't shying away from that post game with some of his remarks about how the L.A. Kings, you know, you know, just didn't want him anymore. You know, that was his, verbatim. That verbatim. He said, you know, they didn't want me anymore. So I came here and I said, I'm going to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, he certainly did with that effort on Thursday night. But I like that the Jets have a bit of a swagger to them right now, uh, deservingly so, given how they've played so far this year. Yeah, you mentioned swagger last post game show, and then Dave made the joke that. You know, that shouldn't be confused with sauntering because we know that Drew loved to saunter, Big saunter. around Crescentwood and other areas around Winnipeg, I right? I would argue I'm more of a stroller than a saunterer, but I can I can hear what you say. Yeah, I can say, yeah, you like to stroll as well. Yeah. But look, you mentioned the Jets Kings game. And if you want to start with the Jets Avalanche game, right? We obviously did the post game show live from Boston Pizza. Producer Timmy was there. We had a lot of IC Nation there as well. And I, I think, you know, Sean Reynolds made a good point on last Saturday morning show. Really, if it wasn't for Nathan McKinnon basically willing the avalanche back into that game. I mean, the Jets could have won that game by three or four goals, right? Mm-hmm. So that Jets win over the avalanche was really impressive to start the road trip off, Dave. Yeah. But I think, I mean, for me at least, the most impressive win is the win against the Kings. And it's not just because it's the second game of a back to back. I think it's because they got down two nothing in a, a bit of a weird way, right? Like, you know, the Nate Schmidt's penalty was a weak penalty. And then obviously, um, uh, Laferriere uh, got the you know b- fluky goal off of Connor Hellebuck's mask, right? So I just liked how you know they didn't let that two nothing lead demoralize them. Um, and yeah, I mean it is a second game of a back to back, and that loss against the Sharks was a bit of a stinker. Um, so that lo- that win over the Kings was really impressive, and obviously you know the revenge element me- meant a lot more to Gabe Velarde than it meant to Pierre-Luc Dubois, right? Because Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think invisible. he got an assist on the first goal, but or the second goal, but, second, yeah. you know, he looked pretty pretty bad out there at certain points, just didn't look interested in the game. So Gabe Velarde was fantastic against the Kings, and that entire line was, Dave, they had 11 or 12 points. So uh, Ehlers deserves a lot of credit for his two goals, and, you know, Shifley, maybe, you know, his best all-around game uh, of the season, he really, you know, took over as did that whole line in the second period. Well, and it's interesting because those were the comments yesterday from Jets captain Adam Lowry, who said that was the best game he's ever seen Mark Scheifele play on both ends of the uh, with the puck. You know, like he said defensively he was really good, and we saw it. And offensively, obviously, he was very good. So, look, you needed that top line to do what they did, which is take over the game. And you're right. The, look, they came back from two two nothing deficits on this road trip. The Anaheim one not as impressive as the the LA one because of the the opponent, but the LA one. Again, you can call it what you will, but that's the second game of a back-to-back, as I just said, and that's a tough game, and they're a really good team. And they just, the Jets just made them look a little silly, right? Especially, like I said, that top line. And yeah. we're going to see what they're, what, and, and, you know, look, guys want to do well for Gabe Velarde. They know that's his first game back in LA. They know, and Alex Iafalo can't leave him out either. Right. But the fact is that the team wants to win it for those guys. They want to come there and say, this is what you're missing out on. And they don't want to be embarrassed. There's a lot of pride there. So I'm not surprised that they were able to do what they did on uh, Wednesday. It was a really good effort. And it was an important win. It was a real, like, again, you could have come back and been like, okay, well, you know, we're two and two. We had a good, solid road trip, tough situation. But to come back three and one and have that sort of, as you said, Drew, swagger to their their thing, you know, and it's interesting because they weren't overly 
enthusiastic yesterday after practice. I mean, it weren't they weren't treating it like they were Stanley Cup champions, which is what you want to see. Right. You had an impressive victory, but like Rick Bonus would often say, move forward, flush it, and move on. That's right. You're not. You're, you, you know, it's great. You added the points to the standings bank, which we always talk about. Right. You're you're put yourself in a position that obviously tonight could be a battle for first place with Dallas right now one point ahead of you, and obviously Colorado two points, but they've had one game in the Jets have one game in hand on them, so. I mean, it's setting itself up to be a really good uh, situation and a real good game, and it, it's, it's a solid road trip. I mean, home stand now with four games here in Winnipeg. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of chatter going on, I think, on that ice on on, on Wednesday night between the Jets and the Kings because, you know, uh, reading some of the post-game comments, Blake Lazotte, uh, you know, was, was asked about uh, Gabe Velarde's comments, and Blake Lazotte, of course, denied that he will... But he was know, asked about... Just uh, be during, clear. The, during the morning skate. But no, no, but he was asked about those co- the comments that Gabe Velarde had made, yes, you know, two weeks ago. Accusing he, him of yeah. being a dirty player. Just to be clear, right? Exactly. But there was, I mean, Matt Roy uh, was asked about after the game. He was he yeah. was asked about some of the the on ice jawing, and it sounds like there's no love loss uh, between a lot of these guys. And I know that they were all teammates for for a while, but it sounds like that uh, quickly came to an end. Mm-hmm. And there's no, uh, I don't think these guys uh, got together for any post game beverages or <laughs> or anything along those lines. I don't know if you guys saw that interview with uh, Eric Johnson. Uh, who, now of the Buffalo Sabres when he went back to Denver to play the Avalanche uh, for the first time and he was talking about how he got together with some of the guys and they had dinner the night before and there was still very much a camaraderie there. I don't see get the sense there was any camaraderie whatsoever between the uh, former Kings players a, 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 and then the current Kings players. No, Gabe Velarde and Blake Lazotte I don't think went for a nice steak dinner no, in, no, a, in Hollywood after the game. As a, a nice steak birthday dinner because it was Blake Lazotte's birthday on Wednesday. Well, there you go. No, and and that was really, I mean, an all-time impressive performance by Gabe Velarde, right? His first ever four-point night. And, you know, you have to go back to when he was drafted and, you know, the injuries he had at the beginning of his career, right? Right. And there were other centers in front of him in the lineup, notably Andre Kopitar, Philip Deneau, Quinton Byfield, who's having his breakout year this year, right? Yeah. So obviously, you know, Gabe Velarde wanted to not only prove to the Kings that they made a mistake by trading him, yeah. he wanted to prove it to himself, right? Like yeah. he had the injury, uh, missed a bunch of time at the beginning of the season with that knee injury, which is kind of weird that, you know, as soon as he comes back, Kyle Connor goes out with a very similar knee injury because we think it's a sprain, right? And that's yeah. what Velarde had, a yeah. sprain, right? So uh, nice to see Colby here. Colby, good morning. So yeah, I mean... A legal curve photographer, Colby Spence. That's sorry. who Colby is. You, so got, I, I, you actually, gotta make sure the audience no, knows who Colby actually, is. The audience Colby, does know, they just saw say, I was gonna say Sir Colby Spence, like uh, Ben Kingsley, Lord, but I wasn't Lord, sure if that was Lord too much. Lord is what he's going Lord, with now. There you go. There there he is. There's Colby waving to the cameras. He's here to snap a few photos of us live on location. Didn't even know he was coming. Number two, uh, number two Donald Street Farmery Brewing uh, retail location Dave, here. sometimes I just wake up in the morning and I'm brushing my teeth <laughs> and about Colby's to go in the shower. <laughs> and there's Colby. He's like, oh, I just thought you wanted some shots of you showering. <laughs> nobody wants those shots. Your wife doesn't want those shots. I can assure you that absolutely nobody is interested in those shots whatsoever. Uh, but, you know, so going back to the to, you know, sort of where the Jets uh, were at this week. And now, of course, they had the great performance, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, against the Kings. They had the great comeback against the Ducks, less so against the Sharks. Uh, sort of a disappointing night there. But now you got to refocus again. You got the Colorado Avalanche tonight. Yeah. And this should be a better Avalanche team than we saw last Thursday or, or 10 days ago on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I think they're closer. You know, Kale McCarr had just come back to the lineup on yeah. that Thursday, so he wasn't at full strength. So he's had a few games where I think he's probably getting, you know, back up to speed. And we know that when Kale McCarr is at, you know, full force, how dominant of a presence he is. I don't even need to mention how dominant Nathan McKinnon is. So this is going to be a, a big test, I think, again tonight for the Jets because you know that the avalanche read the headlines after the game 
you know, a week ago Thursday where the Jets are saying, you know, that we're now an elite team, or maybe not the Jets so much, but the commentators are saying that. Yeah, the, I'm not so sure the Jets were saying we're an elite no, no, team. No, no, not the Jets, but the comments, you know, the, the, the post-game narrative was that this was an important win for the Jets, that this is a, a win that puts the Jets at, a, at another level. The Avalanche heard those. There's no question about, the, about it that the Avalanche would have heard those, and now we're going to probably be using that to maybe try and say to little brother, hey, 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 not so fast. I'm going to try and kick some mud in your face still. I can still go get away with doing that. Drew, how many times have you said... I'm an only child. I don't know. Is that what brothers do? I have no idea. I, <laughs> I don't know. I only have a sister. I don't yeah. have a brother. We've, we've I consider you guys brothers. I consider Colby and Tim my brother and uh, everybody out there. So, yeah, I'm a, I am ai like to just consider everybody part of my family. That's beautiful. I'm, just a, I'm a lovable guy. So, yeah, that's um, beautiful. You know, Drew, you, how many times have you mentioned how hockey players have short memories, right? The Avalanche just were defeated by the Jets uh, less than two weeks ago, right? Yeah, 10 yeah. So, I mean, you I don't care what you say. It's not bulletin board material or anything like that. It's just like these teams know that they're going to be battling with Dallas. Like, it's top-heavy. We've talked about it. I mean, yeah, yes, Nashville, they've been a surprise. They're sticking around. Mm -hmm. Like, four points behind the Jets, something like that, right? But I think everybody agrees that there's a three-headed monster at the top of the central with the Jets and the Avalanche and the Stars, obviously, Although, right? Did you see that Ondinger was injured last night? In I did see that. Yeah, Ottinger left the game, and he's not going on the road. I think they're playing in St. Louis tonight. This is uh, Dallas Stars goaltender Jake Ottinger, yeah. who, of course, would be the equivalent, knock on wood, of the Jets, uh, you know, losing Connor Hellebuck or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that you know that's a huge yeah. potential no, Hopefully uh, it's loss. not long-term. They haven't right. said anything, I don't think. But, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. It didn't look good. Anytime a goalie sort of immediately feels something and sort of skates immediately to the bench, which yeah. is sort of what happened on, on, on that play, it's it's really not a good sign. And I know this. I don't want Spencey to be mad at me and start accusing this of being Star's lunch. He's here. Spencey's oh. roaming around okay. a, 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 you know, somewhere over there. Okay. I saw him. Already. Okay, well, then he's probably not listening then, so I'm okay to say this. But, like, did you guys see when Chikrin actually left the ice? There he is. Oh, there he is. <laughs> so I can't see from where I am. I'm... I'm Spencer. Oh, there's Spencey. <laughs> just, so, just poking yeah. his face behind yeah, around like, the beard. What there? are the odds that I say I'm talking about Spencey and then suddenly he turns around and he's there? It's like saying Candyman into yeah. the mirror three times. You say Beetlejuice, Spencey Beetlejuice, and it just jumps Beetlejuice. out. Anyway, so what I was going to say is, did you guys see Chickren actually leave the ice? And he actually left and went through the stars. Uh, walkway. Oh, I did. See, I didn't know it was Chikrin, but yeah. I saw that he literally was like players. he was yeah. actually leaving the ice, and rather than going out the road exit with all the with all the Ottawa guys. He went down the, the walkway. I mean, they all connect. Yeah. So you could just turn left, but it was just, but it wouldn't be protected for his skates, I don't think. So just a very unusual thing last night. I saw that in the game, anyways. Well, anyway, so that's what's happening, you know, as you were talking about the, the three-headed monster at the top of the of the central division. So yeah. Dallas has got some concerns there now. But I mean, again, the Avalanche, you know, they know where the Jets are in the standings. They know that this is a you know, there's only so many games mm -hmm. in the course of an 82 game season that might have a little bit extra meaning and i don't want to put too much emphasis on a game on december the 16th because that would be that would be overkill and that would be unnecessary but when you Until play tonight's post game when the jets win and then it's the greatest game ever <laughs> but when you 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 play a division so what rival, you're saying drews it's not a statement game you know you can't have a statement game until the playoffs start. That's when you get statement games. That's when the statements really. You also matter. can't have thirty-five statement games in one year, right? <laughs> it's, it's, you're making a lot of statements yeah. at that point in time. I would agree that maybe a few too many statements when that happens. The reality is, though, guys, like the Jets beat the Avalanche. We talked about it last uh, two Thursdays ago. They beat the Kings. Like the Jets are comfortably in second place right now. Well, maybe not so comfortably. Comfortably in. Top Third. three yeah. in yeah. the Central Third. Division right now, I should say that. And, and I mean, would any of us be surprised if the Jets are in first, the Avalanche are in second, and then the Stars are in third, and then the Stars are in first? No. Like, no. I mean, it's going to happen not. all year long. Like Drew said, this, the season is 
relatively early still, right? Well, it's like you said, it's it's clearly a, there's a there's a clear line of demarcation in the top three versus everyone else right now uh, in in the central division. Yeah. I mean, you know, yes, there's been some nice stories, and yes, you know, Nashville and and Arizona and St. Louis well, are, hasn't Arizona lost like. Yeah, they, well, they just won, but before but that, that they, before they, they lost four. You know, and St. Dropped. Louis lost five until they fired their coach. Right, exactly. So Actually, I mean, there's a good article, sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but there's a good article in the Free Press by Kenny and Mike talking about I saw the that soap today. operas around the Central and how pretty much every team below the Avs, the Jets, and the Stars yeah. are, are subbing some sort of malaise in some capacity. So, well, you talk about the Avalanche tonight's opponent, and we'll talk about that later on when we have our Avalanche guests join us at the bottom of hour number two. Um, but, you know, the you have Miko, you have uh, Arturi Lekkonen's father, yeah, going after Miko Rantanen. I mean, and Arturi Lekkonen's father is a journalist, uh, he's a journalist, he's yeah. a commentator in Finland, and, and he's going after his son's teammate. And I know that it's you know, it, it's his job to give unvarnished and, and, and truthful opinions, but boy, and then Miko Rantanen goes out and has a good performance and he shoves it back in, in, in Arturi Lekkonen's dad's face. person that thought that face. was a joke at first? Like, I honestly didn't think that was a real No, I saw the clip. I, I didn't realize it. No, I'm with you, but I, I thought it was originally, I didn't think it was a teammate. I thought it was just a Finnish guy he may train with back home. Right. And then I realized, oh, that's actually his teammate. That's really awkward. Yeah, yeah. and Arturi Lekkonen, we should mention, isn't playing right now. He's injured. Right. Right. So, and Lekkonen was a big uh, acquisition for them. You guys remember That's from Montreal trade before deadline. they won the cup. Yeah. Right. Right. So Arturi Lekkonen is not uh, an insignificant player, right? Like they miss him. And, you know, just going back to what Drew said, like, I think, you know, if anything has changed for me over the first two months of the season in terms of my expectations for the Jets, it's that I think the Jets are closer to the Avalanche and the Stars than I thought. I, I, they really are. And, and look at the Jets don't have Nathan McKinnon. Like, I think, you know, you could argue that. Kyle Connor or Mark Shifley is your Nathan McKinnon, but Nathan McKinnon is maybe the second best player in the entire league. I agree. After Connor McDavid, right? Yeah. Only McDavid and McKinnon can do <laughs> McDavid and McKinnon y things. At, at worst, if you didn't like Nathan McKinnon as a player and you're being a truthful commenter, at worst, he's a top five player. Yeah, in the league. exactly. At worst, yeah. right? And then you throw in Miko Rantanen, also a top 10 forward in the league. Kale McCarr. We know but we know how depth. good Kale McCarr is, but it's, it's the, the depth, depth right? Yeah. Like Ryan Johansson's had a bad start to the year, right? But he's I, got nine goals, yeah. but he's only got two assists, and he's been disappointing, right? The depth of the Avalanche is not the same as it was two years ago, and, and that's mm -hmm. what I think has changed my outlook about the Jets <laughs> is that I don't think the Jets are just going to be happy, you know, to be third in the Central Division. I think that they know that you know they're as good, if not better. Than the stars in the avalanche i personally still think the stars are a better team and i realize like jake ottinger's injury is something to keep an eye on and that can be a consideration uh, uh, a problem because scott wedgwood i think is a good backup goaltender but he's not jake ottinger yeah. ottinger is a top three top five goalie in the league so i think that's what's changed for me guys is that the jets have shown at least up until this point that not only have they been beating teams below them in the standings, they've been beating some really top teams in the West, like Colorado, like LA. Obviously, you know, they have to still play uh, tonight's game and they're not just going to get an easy victory. But, you know, I, I think, you know, that's changed for me that I think the Jets could win this division. I mean, they have to stay healthy. Hellebuck has to stay healthy. Yeah, and they're not healthy. Shifley has to stay healthy. <laughs> Morrissey. I mean, you know, if they, if they suffer a, a serious injury, that could another change. Serious injury. Exactly. Out, yeah. I think they'll still be fine without Kyle Connor because they've got en enough forward uh, depth to withstand that. And we saw that against the Kings. No Kyle Connor, 
Well, Shifley, Ehlers, and Velarde combined for 11 points. Right, but that's one game. It's not so going to happen mean, every game. Yeah, so the, I mean, and I think that's, you know, as we've seen over the last week or so, going back, you know, almost 10 days now, you know, there seems to be a bit of a dance happening between the Jets front office and the Philadelphia Flyers front office as they've been sort of scouting one another. And that's going to be something I think everyone needs to to keep an eye on. I mean, Philly has been sort of a, a very interesting team this year in that, you know, they basically are, are expected. They, they expected to be in much more of a rebuilding situation mm-hmm. yet. They're, you know, top three in the metropolitan division. So they've played over their heads, but at the same time, are they also still, you know, considering that soft rebuild? And if so, that seems to be why the jets are maybe, you know, they're, they're scouting one another as the jets might have some interest in some of those guys who maybe we're expected to not be long for Philadelphia, mm. you know, and that's something to keep an eye on because the, you know, how do the jets look Velarde, Shifley and Ehlers are not going to do what they did on Wednesday night, every single night. So can the jets get that secondary scoring without, you know, Kyle Connor? Cause that hurts your depth. Cause it, you know, how many games has it been since Mason Appleton scored? It's been a lot. How many games has it been since Alex Iafalo scored? It's been about 14 games for him. Mm -hmm. A lot of the lower, the scoring that was coming from lower in the Jets lineup has dried up. Yeah. And now you don't have necessarily the same, uh, the same talent up top. So that's going to be something very interesting for the Jets to see how they can handle it when Shifley, Ehlers, uh, and Velarde aren't dominating their opponents. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. You can't just become a one trick pony. I mean, that's easy to easy enough. I mean, look, they, they went up against the Anze Kopitar line and he, you know, wasn't able to shut them down. And that's one of the things that Adam Lowry was talking about, how why it was such an impressive effort when you're going up against a guy who's, you know, one of the best defensive centers in the NHL and he isn't able to, you know, effectively shut your your line down. So, I mean, that that line was was in cruise, right? I mean, like I said, Mark Scheifele was playing really well both ends. Ehlers was flying. Velarde was doing what he's doing. And remember, he's, what, five games back, four games back since his injury? So he's been looking really good. And so, again, we wanted to see what that line – look, everybody wanted to see what Nikolai Ehlers – you didn't want it to come at Kyle Connor's expense. Right. But everybody wanted to see what would Nikolai Ehlers look like on the top line. Well, Nikolai Ehlers, who's been heating up for weeks now, has – you know, it's starting to show you that he deserves that time. And and it, look, his ice time wasn't crazy because it was the second game of a back-to-back. I think he only played 16 or 17 minutes that last game. But the fact of the matter is he was really effective. And yeah. that and that to me was the big key is can you get that replacement of Kyle Connor? Because you're not going to get that even. But Drew, it speaks to something you talked about, I, I want to say last week. It was just that improved depth. And that's and that's the key to this, this trade with Pierre-Luc Dubois. You could say... And I'm sure Jets fans will because they'll say, "Oh, they they've won." <laughs> right now, if it was one for one, they've won the trade. Well, if you it look at Lardy if you Dubois. look at if you look at as he's, I bo- think Drew, if it was Iafalo for Dubois, the, <laughs> the Jets would be winning this trade. <laughs> but the point, yeah, that's a good point. And so, like, it, like the reality is, Velarde. I mean, I think as his boy Jay Fresh came out with his his hockey card ra- or his rankings, yeah. and then Velarde was like a hundred or something like that. It was insane. But the point is that, and obviously, it's a small sample. He hasn't played a ton of games. But the fact of the matter is. He's looked really good, and the key is that they have the depth, so you don't have to go and throw Dominic Toninato in, and you don't have to throw Jeffrey Vl in just yet. You, you, the reality is, you can sustain that injury because Ehlers is able to jump up, and and you've got the the depth organizationally mm-hmm. to be able to have guys who are not just going to tread water. And you're right; you obviously need guys to score goals. You can't have guys just, you know, I mean, you obviously don't want them getting scored on, but you need those guys to contribute. You need that secondary and third and fourth lines to score. But again, like I said, it, to me, it seems like you're going to be getting that. Yeah, the key line, guys, I think, not just tonight against the Avalanche, Dave, but in the next 
three home games after this one against Montreal, Boston, Detroit. Boston, I believe, is is the last game of the homestand, yeah, right, on yeah, the Friday. Friday yeah. I mean, Perfetti, ne- Nemesnikov, Barron, I think, you know, that's still a work in progress. I think you guys would agree with that, right? Like, that line, they've only played a little bit together. Yeah. I think you want to see more offense out of that line throughout this homestand, not not just today. i got to be clear here because the Avalanche obviously have a lot of weaponry. We talked about it. Makar, McKinnon, and Nachushkin is back in the lineup, right? Yeah. Like, Rantanen... Uh, you know, They've loaded what, up that top line. Well, yeah, and say whatever you want about Ryan Johansson. I mean, like, he still is a guy who can score. I, I think that that yeah. trade right now, or just, sorry, that acquisition, because I think it was a signing, right? Or was it a trade? It was a buyout. They, it was he, a buyout and then bought, a sign. He got bought out by yeah. Nashville, and then they signed him. And, and, and look, and, and it was, it's a, they took a flyer on a guy because they needed to get, you know, a guy who can play in, you know, in their lineup and for yeah. relatively inexpensive. And Ryan Johansson's that guy. Mm-hmm. Ryan Johansson is what he is as a player at this yeah. point in his career. He's not, he's not going to be one who can drive. Who can drive your team? I think he's more of a bottom six guy, to be honest with you, Agreed. Drew, at this point, right? Like, and Johansson a couple of years ago, Dave, didn't he have like 60 or 70 yeah. points, yeah. right? It's just Johansson's a guy that you know, he's more of an offensive minded guy. And if he's not scoring, you know, I, look, I think he's okay as a second line center. I just don't think he's Nazem Kadri. They have, but at least he's got on his wing Freddie Olsen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. <laughs> Frederick Olsen but, you know, is playing right wing uh, on the second line well, for the Avalanche. Well, and, you know, the Avalanche brought in guys like Miles Wood and, and Ross Colton, and they've been fine, but. Yeah. Um, certainly Lowry, Niederreiter, and Appleton have been a better third line for the Jets. So, look, the Avalanche, their strength is their top line and obviously their defense led by Kale McCarr. Josh Manson's a defenseman, you guys know. Yeah. Uh, I really like, obviously, the son of former Jet 1.0, Dave Manson, right? So the Avalanche are going to be a big test, but I think, you know, you're right. Shifley, Ehlers, Perf- uh, uh, Velarde were great yeah. last game versus L.A., but I think you definitely want to see more from the Nemesnikov line with... Uh, Perfetti and Morgan Barron. I do. Th- I love that Morgan Barron's getting that chance, yep. Dave, on the second line. No, no, you're you're absolutely right, Ezzy. And and just quickly, Drew. I know you want to go to break. Yeah. But uh, did we not have Frederick Olson on the show like a few years? Oh back? yeah, probably close to a decade ago now. Yeah. Like the original Frederick Olson, yeah. not the not the winger for I the said Avalanche. Freddie Olson. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we definitely did have him on back in uh, the the early days of Jets. Uh, I think that 2.0. was prior to the Jets coming back or after like it was like 2011, right? Yeah, it was, yeah, right, it was right around, around with then. the return of the yeah, Jets. No question about it. All righty. We go to break. When we come back from CJOB radio, Ross Levitan is going to join us for more Jets talk. It's a Saturday morning. We're live at number two Donald street. There's people in the back. Make some noise. The people in the background. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's the illegal curve hockey show. We're live on location and live on all of your social media platforms. I pressed the wrong button. You'll forgive me. It happens. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often, but nonetheless, I did press the wrong button. It's amazing Welcome how back. many beers you can drink in two minutes. <laughs> I didn't know that you could shotgun three beers at one time, Ezzy, but uh, you know, like uh, like Will Ferrell in in old school, you're just going to have one, and eventually you're going to go streaking up we through the one. yeah, you're going to go streaking up through the quad to the gymnasium. Actually, I've never seen you go. That would require running, and that's not that's My not true. My streaking days are behind me, Drew. Did you? I remember when you guys. Well, he's not here to talk, to defend himself, but Richie P had a famous streaking incident back uh, in in his in his youthful days. But he he's did. not around, so we yeah. won't uh, we won't mention that on air. Now that he's a respectable member of the bar and everything along those lines. Uh, that's a different kind of bar now. That's right. <laughs> Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg with you on this Saturday morning. We're live at Number Two Donald Street Farmery Brewing. There's people. 
actually here. Spencey's out in the parking lot uh, cooking some food, I believe. Spencey's uh, tailgating a little bit, so you know, you could, if you're if you're coming down this way, uh, you can. We're gonna feed you, and we're gonna give you something to drink as well. Well, not give you. That would require us, you know, going out of pocket. But you can buy something to drink as well as we're live here on this Saturday morning from the Farmery Brewing retail location. For more Jets talk from CJOB 680, the Superstation. Let's bring in Ross Levitan. Ross, good morning. Thanks for joining us, buddy. How are things? Ross. Hey, fellas, I'm doing well. Are any of those beers cracked? They look pretty full in front of you there. <laughs> we're, 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 we're pacing ourselves. It's only 936 in the morning. And, you know, unfortunately, we all have, or, uh, you know, most of us have some parental responsibilities afterwards. So it's one thing to, you know, dump out of the house at 830 to get here to set up and everything else. It's another thing to come home at 11 o'clock and uh, be half in the bag. Uh, our wives and significant others might uh, might object to that. Buzzkill, Drew. Ross, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have at least six before we leave here. I did not boy. Hey, just tell them it's work. It's work. You know? That's right, honey. I'm just, it's work. I'm just doing what I got to do to support the to support the business. Ross, appreciate you joining us this Saturday morning. Great to see you. Talk about the Winnipeg Jets. You know, we were talking before Ross about how the Jets, uh, you know, that comeback on, on Wednesday night against the LA Kings and how uh, significant it was, and from my perspective, how unexpected it was when being down two nothing on the second half of a back to back. You know, from you know, from what you're seeing from this Winnipeg Jets, you know, the the never say die mentality and the and the belief that this team has and that they're never necessarily out of a game it, it is really refreshing. And I would say speaks to the cohesiveness of the unit that they've been showing as of late. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, isn't this just Rick Bonus style hockey, though, right? He wants everything to be tight in the defensive zone, the structure, everything. Like, to me, it all starts with your best players. And, and Kyle Connor to a lesser extent, and obviously the injury's tough. But for me, it, it starts and ends with Mark Shifley. And, and the commitment to defense for him this year has been a lot better. He was a guy. So this is my third season kind of really following the Jets and, and being a part of uh, of Winnipeg. And uh, for me, like, when, when I got here, like, it was all offense. I don't know if he was on the right side of the red line, too. Too many times and now since Rick Bonus has come in more and more and more I'm seeing him you know hounding pucks back and, and tracking and doing all the right things in the defensive zone that really gets him the opportunity to get offense here in a different way so no in terms of the comeback like it's it's a never say die attitude that's what it comes down to against uh, LA you know there's some money on the board there from from the former Kings so to get that win and, and that's a tough place to play that's a tough team they got a lot of great defensive players too so usually when they get a lead they button it down and uh no I was a very impressive win and a great way to come home right because you have that strange road trip. Typically, right, it's Anaheim, L.A., and then you go up to San Jose for, for them to have to do the, the Northern Cali swing and then right back down. I mean, not to say that, that it's two tough times for them. They're, they're getting to enjoy some nice weather and, and play hockey, but at the same time, uh, I think that it certainly goes a long way to building that cohesiveness to come back on a happy flight here to Winnipeg. And, hey, it doesn't get any easier. This is going to be a heck of a game tonight down at the, the Canada Life Center. And then, Ross, you've got Boston next Friday, right? Like, so, I mean, you've had some easier games lately, but you're getting two of the best teams in the league. I think a lot of people would say that the Jets are one of the best teams in the league as well. So you could look at it like that as well. But uh, we were talking about, you know, the team defense. And Drew's brought this up several times. It's been, what, 16, 17 games, 18 games where the Jets have allowed three or less goals. It's really, I mean, sorry for interrupting. It is Eddie, incredible. That's why I'm asking <laughs> Ross about it. Yeah, it's 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 beyond incredible that it's the same, you know, that these guys are doing what they couldn't do for so many years. Mm -hmm. Right, and I think, you know, Ross, you'd agree. I mean, Gabe Velarde is a better defensive player 
than Pierre-Luc Dubois and Blake Wheeler combined. I mean, let's be honest here. Alex Ayafalo, again, a good defensive player. Vlad Nemestikov, Nino Niederreiter, who the Jets acquired prior to last year's trade deadline. Good defensive forward. So we got to give the forwards credit too, but it's essentially the same group of six defensemen as last year, right? Like obviously Logan Stanley, Declan Chisholm, they've been playing a little bit, but you've got Nate Schmidt in there right as it stands now with Dylan Sandberg. And I just wanted to ask you what you've seen out of that group of defensemen because I mean, Neil Pionk, I think you'd agree he's having a better year than than last year. And, you know, guys like Brendan Dillon and Dylan DeMello, I think, I mean, they need to be praised for how how solid and, and how they've really kept that de- defense together uh, and just led by example. Because, right, like, you look at the LA Kings, after they scored those two goals, the Jets just completely shut them down. Yeah, you're, you're certainly right, Ezra. And I think what uh, what really impresses me about this Jets defensive core is the fact that everyone brings a little something else to the table, right? Sure. Dylan DeMello, great tracker, great one-on-one defense, defends with his stick well. You got, obviously, your star in, in Morrissey. Everything runs through him. But to me, Brendan Dillon's kind of the straw that stirs the drink. Whenever they need a physical stop on the back end, he's there to, you know, come put someone on their backside and uh, he, he moves the puck a lot better than I gave him credit for when before I watched him on an everyday basis. Everything's on the tape with him, and whether it's you know getting it to a forward for a quick chip in on a on a change, or whether he's trying to skate the puck up himself. I've been super impressed with his ability to to do different things in the back end, and then he compliments Pionk so well, but allowing him to kind of use his vision and see the ice a lot better. So I think that top four, it's locked in. And you can see it just in terms of how long these guys have played with each other. We see, like, I, I'm obviously following Ottawa pretty closely as well, and they can't figure out who's playing with who. And that inconsistency <laughs> doesn't lead to any sort of results. Whereas you look with the Jets, and I'm just pulling up the numbers right now because, I mean, I'm curious in it as well. Yeah, like Morrissey and DeMello played 425 minutes together at, uh, mm-hmm. at five on five. Like, that's got to be among the most in the league. So just that continuity that they have together Neil uh, Pionk with Brendan Dillon's at 317 minutes like that's so locked in that now Rick Bonus can say hey look we're going up against a, a bigger team or a team that likes to grind down low let's say a Dallas or a team like that now we could put Logan Stanley in the lineup if we want for a game we have different options with you know Declan Chisholm showing that he can use a second power play unit if need be now Nate Schmidt, I I mean, I was a little torn when he got pulled out of the lineup because even though the points aren't there, I didn't think it was necessarily him causing big mistakes that ended up in the back of the net. And usually that's when you'd see a veteran guy like that, well-respected, be taken out of the lineup. Usually it's a bit more than, hey, we want to see someone else. But it just shows, and it also, you know, it's a stick tap to uh, to Nate Schmidt's attitude that, you know, he's taking right. this in stride and, and all that. So you got to give him credit too. But also the cohesiveness of the group that you can, you know, pick and choose guys out of lineup, bring others in. And there's just no, there's no lag in, in kind of the structure. Everybody knows what their role is when they're in. And I really have to just give all the credit to, uh, to Rick Bonus as well here that he's putting the pieces in the right spot to succeed. Well, I mean, the, one of the things that are giving the Jets uh, an opportunity to succeed would be a guy named Connor Hellebuck Ross, because he has been simply phenomenal. And uh, our friend Ken Weeb in the, uh, the Free Press had a real good article about him in the, uh, you know, in that periodical. And it was just, it's interesting to see what, you know, Jets fans were a little nervous, you know, even though he's a Vesna guy and he's a, you know, a per- perennial Vesna guy, I should say, yeah. and, and you're have that expectation, signs the big contract, doesn't have a great start to the season. You're like, oh boy. And you know, realistically, everybody knew it was going to even out. I don't know how many people expected it to even out this much where he's had probably the best stretch of his entire career in the last, I think he's had 11 straight quality starts. His numbers have been ridiculous. I think he's allowed like 
like 15 goals in the last nine games or something like that yeah. versus 13 in his first three. So he's just been on fire. What have you seen from, from Connor Hellebuck that's just kind of led to this turnaround for Winnipeg? Yeah, I mean, it's a presence, right? Like, he t- he takes so much air out of the offensive team when, when they're in the zone. There's not many rebounds. And, yeah, it's been since November 14th since the last time he allowed <laughs> three goals in a game. More than three a month. Goals. Like, that's, yeah. that's incredible. And and there's been some games, like the Dallas game, maybe a bit low event. But then the next game, the, the first one where I was uh, boots on the ground there in the press box against Edmonton where, you know, yeah, he wants to have that one back from from above the, the circles, even though it did have a slight tip off of DeMello's stick, but still mm-hmm. they had a huge game there with um, with 36 saves. And no, what, what I see from him is just a calming presence. And and it's one of those where you don't know what you have until you don't have it anymore. And as, as someone who follows teams that don't have goaltending and you <laughs> see what you have here with Connor Hellebuck, it's, yeah. you just don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. What he's doing is incredible. And uh, the one thing I, I like to, to refer to with Hellebuck is just stay in your net, man. That's the one thing in his game that really scares me when he goes and plays the puck. He's maybe a little overconfident, maybe a bit of that Mike Smith syndrome, but without the, <laughs> yeah. the talent to back it up, but wants to play every single puck he can. Um, so that's kind of the one nitpick I have with his game. But otherwise, like he gives this team a chance to win night in, night out. And uh, lucky to have him for the next seven, eight years now. Saturday morning, we are live at number two Donald Street Farmery Brewing, their retail location, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, live on location. Spency is in the parking lot making pancakes. So yeah. we're reliably <laughs> informed that the pancakes are on. That's so, how we roll, Ross. So, yeah. Beer and pancakes on Saturday morning. Ross, if, 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 if it's hopefully okay. they're beer battered pancakes. Well, I don't know. We'll have to go, we'll have to go check in uh, out back uh, in the parking lot in a couple minutes as the tailgate is on as we're live here. Ross Levitan from CJOB Radio, our guest on this Saturday morning talking about the Winnipeg Jets. You know, Ross, the team obviously going to be without Kyle Connor for the next, you know, four to six weeks, six to eight weeks, whatever the timeline might be. The Jets are clearly going to be a buyer come trade deadline time, barring something remarkably unforeseen. Could you foresee the Jets maybe trying to get a head start on that? in trying to maybe replace some of that Kyle Connor offense with him out of the lineup for the next couple of months, maybe try and get ahead of the trade market. We've seen, or we've been told that, you know, the flyers and the jets are dancing around one another as of late. Could you see the jets really stepping on the gas pedal, given their impressive start to the season so far? The Flyers are so funny. It's almost like they don't want to win. They're like, wait, we're in second in the match. Like, what's going on? Like, we we got we to gotta get on the right track here. We're trying to load up for three, four years when Matt Michkov comes over. But no, all, all jokes aside, I think that that's certainly something that Shovel Dayov would, would like to do, I would hope, because um, you want to also, as much as it is to bolster your team, it's about giving them some credit and saying, hey, guys, you're playing well. You're down a man. Like, I want to help you guys keep on the right track. I think that goes a long way in the room as well with the core and um, sometimes maybe you get the the guy for a bit of a cheaper price in terms of per game played because if you only get them for 20 games at the end of a season right. <laughs> like Kevin Hayes maybe back in the day but um, like that then you're looking and you're like oh was it worth it but if you get them for a half season one you're able to bring them in work with them get them in the system get them playing up to the speed that you want them to play as well as as fill in a hole here that uh, an injured player is, is causing. Now, when I, when I look at, at Philly, there's one guy in particular, Travis Konechny would just be the perfect yep. fit. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he's being, uh, being traded for, for peas though, like that, you're going to have to pony up and you're probably going to have to, you know, plug your nose and say, ah, you know what? I don't like giving up the return I am, but 
fans would see uh, Travis Konechny play five shifts and, and they'd be all in. This guy's a, a rat. And I say that in a, in a very endearing way. He gets under guys skin and he plays, he plays the wing, but can take faceoffs as well. He's a guy who uh, you could certainly see playing a top six role for an extended period of time. I know he's got more than uh, just this year left on his deal. So it wouldn't be a rental. I know shovel Dave likes that. Uh, we we've seen that with Nita Ryder coming in with one extra year, obviously extended since then. But um, I certainly think that it's something that they should be looking for now. I mean, it's it's going to be a forward though, right? Because they've got their their carousel on defense right now. Unless someone's willing to take Logan Stanley's contract, and then even still, you've got seven guys right now that that you can have on a rotation, and and maybe you get a guy closer to the deadline. But to me, I'm looking at a forward. And if Scott Lawton's available, there's another name who maybe wouldn't cost as much, but he's a Torts favorite. So good luck prying him out of his fingers in. Uh, in Philly, we know Torts got has some say there in hockey operations as well as head coach. But mm-hmm. there's that would be a team I would target. There's no doubt. But if I'm a Philly Flyers fan, I'm looking and I'm saying, hey, we we might be a team <laughs> of destiny this year. What are we doing moving on? So no, it's a it's a really interesting point and one that I think that they should be looking at with the long term injury to Kyle Connor. Well, first off, you're getting high praise from CBC's Pat Canuga. I agree with Pat. Uh, you did do an excellent job. Uh, filling in for the obvious icon, Kelly Moore. Yeah, so big just, shoes. I was saying I couldn't even get past the heel in the boot, but <laughs> they were good, that's all. Love it. Uh, but, you know, we are talking about other teams aside from the Jets. So you mentioned you cover the Senators, locked on Sens. And, you know, I was going to wait and ask you another Jets question, Ross. But please, I please ask, I'm not ready to talk no, about it. Well, I mean, they lost, obviously, yesterday to Dallas. I think they're 3-7 and yeah. seven in their last 10. So I'm going to keep this open-ended with the senators because obviously they have some important games coming up and they, they got to stop losing, but where do you go from here? And I'm not even going to ask you, cause I'm sure, you know, you've talked a lot about DJ Smith's, you know, job and everything like that, but like, where do they go? Because obviously they made some key moves and this team is hoping to make the playoffs. Like, you know, it, it's not another, you know, under 500 season is not going to be acceptable. I think you'd agree in Ottawa. No, you should go go to Locked On Senders YouTube comments. That's a, that's an absolute <laughs> trip right now. Nobody's happy, and hey, at least I got the Jets right. So I, I kind of yeah. take it from a more uh, let's say professional level when when I'm talking about the Jets, and then uh, with the Senators, that's a team that I was born like a month before the Senators came home. Grew up in Ottawa, and um, so right, my first memories were them making the playoffs in '97, and then it was 13 straight years with the playoffs in in kind of my formative years. So I'm used to this team being being a you know an every year playoff team i thought i saw a chris phillips jersey behind you there ross <laughs> yes we know it's probably my anton volchenkov jersey oh, in the nice. closet hanging up the a train come on right. uh the the old school brendan dylan basically from those senators teams but yeah no um i'm definitely a lot more emotional when it comes to senators in terms of you know uh blow the thing up i think i tweeted out get anton forsberg out, out of the organization last night but i also say that nothing i tweet during games can be held against me uh the next morning so um, no, it's a complete mess right now. It really is. And um, I don't like talking about uh, coach's job. I know you guys probably had a lot of conversations about Paul Maurice when things weren't going well before he ultimately resigned. And, yes, we did, uh, Ross. Yes, we did. It's just, it's difficult, right? Because these are people, these are, he's, he's a good guy and you can see that he comes through in the media availabilities. You know, he's supporting causes. He's a really good guy. But at some point, like he's the sixth longest serving head coach, the only guy who doesn't have a Stanley Cup, who's been with his team longer, is Rod Brindamore, who's got a lifetime contract, a Jack Adams and everything else with the Carolina Hurricanes. So you just look, and I always go back to saying better coaches have been fired for less than what we've seen in the last five seasons under DJ Smith. And at this point, it's almost like, 
stability is the like kind of the the phrase that's being uttered in Ottawa about Steve Steos and uh, he's the acting GM right now. So that's the other wrench in all this. They don't have a general manager and you'd expect him to be the guy who hires the next coach, but it's uh, like, it's getting untainable right now. Their, their home record is a mess. And they always say the old adage is when you, when you stink, stink on the road, because you don't want to let your fans go home with a bad taste in their mouth. I was home for the home opener. They won that game against Philly. They win the next night against Tampa. Then they beat the wheels off the Washington Capitals. I tweeted that during that game that the senders are about to be a problem for the entire NHL. Well, since, <laughs> since Ross they've, got, they've got six wins since. It's Ross, a complete mess. We have a word for that. It's called a Ginsburg guarantee was oh, what you just did. But, yeah, yeah, Ross, that's, yeah that's we're not going to hold man. it against you, Ross, especially with all the bad predictions that have come from this show. Oh, it's so bad, hey, man. Hey, so, not this show, from you. Yeah, yeah, from yeah. you. Sorry, specifically me. Yeah. Is that why you put him in the middle? So you yeah, guys, yeah. if you get off, you just he, give him a squeeze? Yeah, if he yeah. gets out of hand, we just got to go for one of the love <laughs> handles right over there. <laughs> yeah, the eject button. He's all the way out. No. Um, yeah, it's it's tough. And we couldn't even do the Jets a favor last night, right? Like, I'm sure everyone in Winnipeg was like, hey, get us these two points. Keep them out of Dallas's hands there in the Central Division. And they were up 2 nothing. They were up 4-2, and at no point was I confident that they were going to win that game. And uh, that's that's a sad feeling right there. So something's got to give. They haven't even changed assistant coaches in five years, and it's like, hey, maybe do something different. Um, they've brought in guys to help, and it almost feels like they've got a babysitter now because they went back and grabbed Jacques Martin, who hasn't been uh, a head coach in the league since the, the mid-2000s. But everyone's like, hey, bring him in. He, he preaches defensive structure, and they've got none of that right now. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's extremely sad times uh, where playoffs were were something that were were very much promised at this point. They've traded their last two first round picks that are both top fifteen picks. You don't do that unless you think you're going to take a step forward, and uh, they certainly haven't. So it's it's a bit of a, a tough kind of parallel though, because fans have the pain of seven years right now, whereas the new owner and the new uh, president of hockey ops. They're looking at this from a long-term view starting now. So right. it's kind of like they have to separate the last seven years from what they're seeing with this group right now. They're in an evaluation standpoint, but uh, I'm sure there's a lot of Fs in that uh, report card right now. Ross Levitan of CJOB 680 Radio, the uh, radio home of the Winnipeg Jets, is our guest this Saturday morning. We're live at Farmery Brewery, number two, Donald Street. There's pancakes being flipped in the parking lot. There's beer all around us. As he's double fisting, you know it's a Saturday morning party right now. You know, Ross, I'm going to bring it back to the Jets. And, and you know, the question is, we saw Vili Hainola and Rasmus Kupari skating at Hockey for All Center, doing some light contact as well. When Rick Bonus was asked about it yesterday in the media availability, he said, there's still a way, a long way, not a long ways. He said a ways away, which doesn't sound like it's tomorrow. And the reality was, with especially with Billy Hainola, we anticipated it being in 2024, especially given he's likely to go down to the moose. But once he does go down to the moose and starts to get conditioned and get ready, he's going to have to come back up. And at that point, you have a decision to make from an organizational standpoint. You can kick it down the road, and that's what his injury allowed them to do. But at some point, you have to start making a decision. You've got, you know, you've touched on it. Stanley, we're really talking about that six, seven, eight, but Stanley, Chisholm, Hainola, you could leave him. He's waiver exempt. He can stay down in the AHL, but he showed it the preseason. He probably doesn't deserve to be there. So if you're the Jets, what are you doing? And, and again, we talked about it. Do you, there's still the talk about the Jets potentially acquiring a top four defenseman on that right side to push everything down. 
Well, that's the other part of it too, right? And and I've seen kind of firsthand here when you have too many lefties, it, it actually does matter a lot more than maybe I gave it credit for, um, you know, earlier on in, in my life. But uh, now watching it and just seeing how quick the game is and how fast you have to be in transition from your own zone. I mean, there's a reason why DeMello has been the perfect partner for Morrissey, right? If he's a lefty, he's probably there for a week or two and they realize, hey, let's move it on. So the top four, I like how it's lefty righty, but then They've just got a pile of lefties with Hanela being another one at the bottom. So I think if they could go out and get a cheap right shot defenseman, that's, you know, a, a, kind of like a Nemestikov pickup where nobody really thinks a whole lot of it at the time. And then he comes in and you're like, Oh, this guy's actually got some game. Like let's, uh, let's keep him around. I think that could be good. But with Hanela, yeah, you never want to see a guy lose their, uh, their, their spot because of injury. But at the same time, did he ever really have a full-time spot or was it, you know, a preseason that you, you're kind of like, Oh, okay intriguing let's see what he can do in in a regular season setting and um i'd like to see a 10 game sample size because the last one didn't go so well last year but uh i'm also not really in the in the position where the jets are to force him into the lineup i think i'd rather kind of wait and see and then i know it sucks to say but i think he's kind of got to go back to the moose and earn another call up like declan chisholm has has been more patient he's older and and to me he deserves the opportunity right now the way that he's played not only in his his small sample size in the nhl but like the numbers in the ahl are even much better than than hanala so i think that he's deserving of this chance and uh it'll come it'll come for hanala i'm convinced of that how many defensemen do the teams use every year, right? So it's not a situation yeah. where, you know, he's never going to get a chance, but I think he's going to have to be patient. And um, and that's a tough – it's it's an ankle, right? That's a tough, tough injury for a guy whose mobility is is his number one attribute. So I'm going to be curious to see how he looks, but obviously it is a great sign, though, Dave, seeing him back uh, skating. And and hopefully, you know, that that all-star break is where kind of you're maybe circling for, uh, for Kyle Connor as well in er- early February. And maybe you see that uh, same time frame for, for Hanela where he's back at full speed, maybe get some games before, but uh, I think you got to be patient with a guy coming off a fractured ankle. Ross, last one for you. Obviously, the loss of Kyle Connor is huge for the Jets. They were able to withstand it, especially on Wednesday night against the Kings. But no one's going to step in and immediately replace him and replace the offense and replace the the elite goal scoring. But of the players, sort of uh, not on that first line for the Jets, who do you who do they who needs to step up in your mind and begin to maybe fill in that role or begin to you know move up and play with Perfetti and Nemesnikov? We know Barron's going to be up there tonight who do you need to see sort of elevate a little bit more so that the Jets can begin to withstand the loss of Kyle Connor well I'm with Rick Bonus in terms of Morgan Barron getting that first opportunity I always felt he's been kind of underused uh, mm-hmm. here and uh, he obviously brings it on the PK he's a big body long stick and defend well in his own zone but I mean, I, I do feel like there's a little maybe extra offense than we've seen from him. I mean, the AHL numbers didn't really get a chance here outside of that little playoff run with the Moose, but in Hartford before the trade with uh, with Andrew Kopp, I mean, he was always a guy who was kind of a, a two-way guy. And and to me, like, I think letting him kind of play a little bit more in the offensive zone will, will help him. And if not, like, the, the kind of the catch-22 here is I don't want to touch anyone on that third line because they're so good together. Like, I don't think Mason Appleton should be the guy moving up because I think that he's found a nice role on this team playing with Niederreiter and with Adam Lowry. So I don't want to touch that line. So it really leaves me to two guys. It's either going to be Alex Iafalo, who's offense is completely dried up still doing the right things out there still on the right side of the puck still a guy who you can rely on but the offense isn't what it was at the start of the season when he was on a bit of a run and then I, I think that's why it's, yeah it's either going to be Morgan Barron for me or Alex I and if one of those guys can even like come 80 
70, 70% of the offense. Not that, that Kyle Connor put up, but you know, that you'd expect from a Velarde on the second line and that, that opportunity, I think they're going to be in good shape, but they, like, as much as it sucks, at least this didn't happen before Velarde came back, right? Because yeah. that, to me, is the Kyle Connor re- replacement and putting him up on that line. And I've been watching Nikolai Ehlers since uh, my two years in Halifax coincided with his, and I've always been a huge fan of his. I didn't get a 31-game point streak that year, so I've been kind of watching his career develop since then. And um, Did you pay for the Mooseheads, too? Me, no chance. I, I was up, I was up drink drinking the illegal curve ale up in the, yeah. up in the third deck. No, I was I was just there as a kid having fun. I know. And, um Timo Meyer was actually his teammate there too. So they had a pretty stacked roster. Mackenzie Weger on the back end. But no, uh back to the to the Jets and their top six, like to, to me, it's it's all about kind of giving up less than they score. So if they're scoring a half a goal less every two games because Connor's out, well, hey give up that that same amount less and, and they'll be good to go as long hey all, all they're counting on is uh connor hellebuck not giving up more than two goals in a game ever <laughs> and uh, and they'll be good to go but tonight's gonna be fun boys tonight's gonna be fun this is the kind of hockey you live for right saturday night you got one of the best teams in the league coming to town you've got superstars coming to town in mckinnon and mccarr and it's uh it's gonna be a great test for this jets team Amen, it, Ross. Preach. It's going to be a good one. The Jets and the Avalanche tonight on 680 CJOB Radio. That's where Ross Levitan does his great work. Ross, appreciate your time and insight this morning. Great first time appearance here on Illegal Curve. We got some pancakes and we got some beer for you. So if you head down to number two Donald Street Farmery Brewing, just uh, pop on in and grab yourself yeah. some. I love. Are you guys pancake guys or waffle guys overall? Well, Spencey's the one making it. Spencey uh, is, a, is a big fan That's of ours. A big question, though. I, I'm more I of a pancake guy myself. Yeah, Ross, pan, p- first off, pancakes and waffles. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I would say, yeah, oh, I, li- I, like, I like a nice stack of buttermilk pancakes with some syrup and a little yeah. butter. Oh, yeah, yeah. But- I, I'll, I'll go with mine. If my mom is making them, waffles, because my mom's a great waffle maker. But yep. yeah. if I'm out, I'm a pancake guy. Da- okay. But very important note about Dave. When he goes out and he orders pancakes, if you dare put icing sugar on those That's pancakes, no. he is going to throw a fit like yes, you haven't seen in your life. It's very immature of him for, for somebody of his age, but do not put icing sugar anywhere near Dave. I actually we- agree with that. That's a good take. Yeah. Thank you. Any Ross. icing sugar you're going to put on, just put more syrup instead. That's How about exactly. that? And Ross, can I give a shout out to crepes too? I'd like a, a nice crepes crepe good. on a nice Saturday morning too. Yeah. On the mornings, but that for me, at least for a crepe, it's not a savory crepe. For me, I need the Nutella on there. I need strawberries. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, I yeah. need a nice sweet crepe. Is, You're are, getting me are, excited are, are here. They, are they Cubans <laughs> rolling the crepes or are they Venezuelans? No, they're Puerto Rican. They're Puerto Rican on Seinfeld. Exactly. I think what we need to do is go for breakfast with Ross after the show. I'm going for breakfast out in the front as soon as Drew takes us to commercial break. Okay, I'm going to take David, as you're getting hanged, Angry, so that which means I got to get the hell yeah, out of here. Hey, let, let me tell you one thing though, because uh, I had to get the whiteout jersey right when I moved to Winnipeg. Like, there's there's no chance I can come in. So I was like, how do I get a jersey that kind of has like a little tie to Ottawa in it as well? Do we, we see the C? We know what we know what's on the back, right? A little trivia. Chuck, Chuck, right? Chuck number seven. Let's there go. You go. Oh, Love so it. There you go. You see that at the rink? Hey, uh, give me a cheers. I'm gonna try to make it down tonight. It's gonna be a great game. You fellas do a great job. Appreciate you reaching out. Really great to, to come on. And anytime, I'll be ready for you. So Thanks, enjoy Rob. the rest of your show, boys. We'll talk later.
Thank you. Cheers, Ross. Ross. CJOB Radio. Let's go to break. It's pancake time. Mm. Spencey's got him flipping in the parking lot. Much more Jets talk to come. Saturday morning, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on location at number two, Donald Street. That's the Farmery Brewing retail location. Come join us. We got breakfast. We got beer. We got beer for breakfast. Saturday morning, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rollies and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at rollies.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go... We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Boston Pizza harnessed Fanalytics to test if the game is better at home or at Boston Pizza. The results are irrefutable. Catch the game at Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. We did it again! You're on fire, man. There's power in a handshake. After a great game or great deal. It shows professionalism and respect. Two qualities Zapia Group Realty take pride in. You don't build a business where 95% of your clients are referred by others without honesty, integrity, and total dedication to client satisfaction. To sell your home for more in less time, shake hands with Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Get started at zapiagroup.com. Saturday morning, we're back on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show live here at Farmery Brewery, number two, Donald Street. Spencey is out in the parking lot. He's got uh, pancake. You guys, you guys went out there. I was, I was holding down the, the board. The setup here. that Spencey is cooking out of the back of his truck right now. He's got a flat top grill. He's cooking pancakes, sausage, bacon. This is the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, aside from the birth of my children and my wedding. And maybe, no, that's it. This is the best day of my life. 
<laughs> so if you're in the neighborhood and you're looking for something to do and you need some ice cold illegal curve lager, head on head on down here to number two Donald Street Farmery Brew and you get some pancakes, you get some sausage, you get some beer. It's a pretty good morning if you ask me. And some, of course, Winnipeg Jets talk courtesy of us here at Illegal Curve. Still to come on the program at the bottom of the hour, Megan Angeli from DNVR Avalanche. She covers the Colorado Avalanche. They're in town, of course, to face the Jets later on tonight a heavyweight matchup heavyweight central division matchup in downtown winnipeg later tonight and of course the illegal curve post game show right around 9 p.m tonight bringing you all the latest on the jets and the abs so it's a day it's a busy day full of everything illegal curve related on this saturday morning let me ask you guys this and we we sort of touched on it a little bit oh it's look at who's here it's Hart, it's jackie and it's joe Right behind us, our great friends, Hart, Jackie, and Joe have come down here to join us here <laughs> at Farmery Brewing. They're coming for some. Uh, Joe, I think you're a little young for pancakes, or for, pardon me, for I was beer. Like young for pancakes. But that, but that, but that uh, sucker you got there looks pretty good. I think mom and dad can have a beer, though, this early in the morning. Drew, let Hart and Jackie determine if Joe's ready for a beer, okay? <laughs> fair enough. Fair you enough. have your own kids to worry That's about. That's right. I don't have to worry about other people's kids. It's great to see them joining us down here at number two Donald Street. Uh, what I was going to say, it, talking about you know the, the dance that the Jets and the Flyers are doing, scouting each other, so you know, could you see the Jets maybe getting ahead of the trade market, it, particularly in light of the Kyle Connor injury? We know that wouldn't be the typical MO mm-hmm. uh, of Kevin Shevoldayoff, who likes to slow play everything. But you've sort of seen the trade market, you know, loosen up a little bit. The Avalanche made no, a trade the Canucks, yesterday. The team that's making trades right now with the Canucks. Well, the Avalanche traded Thomas Tatar last night yeah. uh, to San Seattle. 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 Sorry, I couldn't For remember. a fifth-round draft pick. Kind right. of a weird trade. Just because the Avalanche just signed him. Right. It's, it's and, like, and Tatar hasn't been very good this year. I mean, we just saw him, uh, you know, not this past Thursday, but... Uh, ten days two, ago. Two, yeah, yeah, ten days ago. And I think Tatar's only got a couple goals, but a little bit surprised. Obviously, you know, it's not working out there, and they just wanted to free up a little bit of cap space. He wasn't making a lot of money. I want to say $1 to $2 million a year. I'd have to look that up. But a little bit weird, but... Look, who are we talking about when it comes to the the Flyers? That's the issue. Like a lot of people are throwing out Joel Farabee. You see Travis Konechny's name out there. The defenseman uh, is Walker. That uh, Sean, Sean Walker, Walker that yeah. people uh, have been talking about. He's on the trade bait board. Everything mm-hmm. like that, right? So I, I don't know, guys. Like I, I mean, every year it seems like there's one player or one team that everybody fixates on. And I'm not. I mean. Look, there's other teams that are going to be moving players. Like, I don't know if you've looked at the bottom of the standings. We were just talking about Ottawa. Right. I mean, Ottawa is not that far away from the bottom of the standings, right? I'm not saying that Ottawa is going to be a seller, but I mean, the, this whole notion of Philadelphia, it, it's really hard to answer that, Drew. I mean, you're not just talking about Philadelphia. Well, I'm in talking terms about of, Philly lately because that's who, uh, the, you know, the links have been made between, you know, the, the, the Jets and, and the Flyers because they've been scouting each other and they've been sure. prominent in each other's press boxes on, on the road trip and everything else. No, so, there's, no, there's no doubt that, that, you know, those teams are scouting each other. I guess, you know, my, my overall thoughts are the Jets' big need is a right-shot defenseman. Look, Kyle Connor is going to be out for six to eight weeks. Right. I don't think you're making a trade – to fill the void of Kyle Connor, Dave. Like we just mm-hmm. saw. But let me ask you this, Ezzy. Sorry for interrupting you. So, you know, most of these teams that are that have playoff aspirations and or or, or consider themselves, you know, to be a, you know legitimate playoff teams, always wait for the trade deadline to make that trade. Yeah. 
and then you know they, they takes some you know some amount of time mm. to acclimatize those players sure. that they acquire to the team. You know, Paul Stasny, when he was acquired from the Blues by the Jets, was sort of the exception to that rule. Yeah. He came in and, and he fit immediately. Kevin Hayes didn't fit that well with the Jets. No, no he was playing in the on the fourth line. Say fourth line, Kevin Hayes. Yeah, no, Hayes was was not a good uh, trade deadline acquisition. We got somebody sure. else joining us here. It's my dad, ah, the one and only Sheldon Mandel, <laughs> joining us here live at number two Donald Street. Hi, Dad. Big drinker. Big drinker. You needed some beer, I know. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna have a sip of beer and then take a nap in the back of his car if history's any indicator. Well, hopefully he'll just go and eat some pancakes. Yeah, and... go say hi to Spencer. You Spencer's got all Spencer. You you Spencer you spent the summer together uh, at your local golf course. Uh, Sheldon and Spencer, you're tight. I'm not saying yeah. otherwise. There's there's rumor that Spencer's changing his last name to Mandel as well. Uh, you know, <laughs> True, or... you're getting the brother you always wanted. <laughs> That's right. There's not enough money for <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Dad. Thank you for joining us. But my point being, you know, best cameo ever, right there. Why not? Why not move get ahead early? Of it. Why yeah. not get ahead of it? You get a guy for longer. Sure, he's got a little bit more of a of a cap hit. There's there's Hartsey coming by. Are you bringing Ezzy a beer to drink? I figured, why not? Okay. <laughs> You got to open it up now if you're gonna crack. If, if, Thanks, Hartsey's bringing you a beer. You got to crack it open. For people who don't, for people who don't know, that's my best friend, Hart Jacob, right there. Not only uh, that, that's an honor. Hart and Ezzy used to live together, so Hart is personally responsible yes. for getting for, Ezzy through about five years. Yeah, for Ezzy still being alive, really, right. is, is basically what it boils down to. Yeah, yeah, this the, the icy beer heartsy is good any time of the day, but especially at ten ten in the morning, right. it just oh, it's it's even better. Woo. All right, guys, have a good. Time. All right, thanks. Artsy. Thank you, Heartsy. You know what? Like, I, to answer your question, Drew, I yeah. think there's it's an interesting one, and, and you know, obviously, they just have to be aware of cap ramifications. Like, I don't think that they're really going to acquire anyone with term because. You even if the cap's going up, right. the Jets don't have that much latitude, right? You've well, got especially with the Shifley and Shifley and Connor yeah. uh, and Hellebuck. You know, yeah. Sorry, Connor Hellebuck. Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. But but you've got those two guys who basically are taking up the full increase in that salary cap. You got Cole Perfetti who's going to need it to get. You might want to. You might have to bridge him, but you might want to sign him. And obviously, there's stuff that can be done as he over the summer that can limit. You know, like if you want to, you know, buy out or trade a Nate Schmidt that can give you some latitude in terms of of the cap, but when folks are saying trade for Travis Sanheim, for example, obviously a good kid from Elkhorn, Manitoba, the reality is he's signed for six for what five more years at six point two five million. Jets don't exactly have that kind of room. So the fact of the matter is you have to be aware of what that ramification is. But yeah, Drew, it's an interesting idea of getting ahead of it, and also so you don't allow the pricing to go up significantly. Right. Now it's hard. The reason why it's harder to make trades at the beginning of the year or this point of the year is because some teams are still in it. Right. So if you're the Philadelphia Flyers, how do you sell to your organization or to your fans? Sorry. Hey, sorry, we're second in the Metro, but we're we're we're, we're dumping the farm. So that totally to, that to me is the is the difficulty. So you can pick off. Look, the Calgary Flames, they're they're probably open for business. The San Jose Sharks open for I don't know how many people you want in the Sharks, but <laughs> but they're open for business. So certain teams are going to be open, just not as many as you would have liked if, you, if you're if you doing something early. And that's just kind of the difficulty in trying to make a trade early, I would think. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a value to getting a guy maybe a month earlier than the trade deadline. I mean, I know that teams have been doing it like a week or two earlier. They're not waiting for the exact trade deadline day to make the big moves. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you do it a month early, that's just a month earlier that your team is going to get that guy integrated into the lineup and, and acclimatized to the culture. And ideally, a month better that your team is going to be. Right. I mean, that's why you're making the trade is to improve your roster. Correct. So, I mean, look, it, it, it's agreed that it doesn't normally happen mid-December. This would not be your typical time frame where, where anything is going to happen, where anything significant, anything with, with any sort of splash to it. 
But you know what? With with the circumstances, given what they are, with the Jets, you know, not being an offensively dynamic team, you know, by and large, they've struggled to get the puck in the net. Now, of course, we know that not against LA. Well, you know, we know what happened on Wednesday, but I think that's often been more of the exception than the rule. They've been better defensively than they have been offensively. I wonder if you do try and shore that up, if you do try and maybe increase your depth, if you do try and and and, and find a way to sort of juice your lineup earlier rather than later, you know. Just, just given the circumstances. I think, Drew, we're all in agreement that if you can get, and, and I'm not trying to belittle you or your your segment at all, because I think it's a good segment. I think we all agree, and most Jets fans agree, that if the Jets can get a player for the right price, you do that whenever you need to prior to the deadline. So right. if that's late December, if that's early January, early February, whatever, and I've brought this up before. I mean, look, I, I do think that the Jets could make a trade for a forward, but I really do think like they have to find their Matthias Ekholm. And I brought up the return because there was a big return for Matthias Ekholm. But you're talking about when Edmonton acquired right. him from Nashville. Right. Edmonton had Edmonton had to give up Tyson Berry, prospect Reed Schaefer, who was a late first round pick. Right. Good prospect. And then a first round pick and a fourth round pick. So I think if you're talking about let's use Travis Sanheim as an example. And by the way, if we're talking about Sanheim, as you mentioned, from Elkhorn, mm-hmm. right hand defenseman. I mean, I have. I think that would be a great trade. I think he would. He would, in theory, become your best right shot defenseman, and that moves Dylan Demello down. And it moves. I think Neil. he's a left shot. He plays on the right side. Sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a left shot. Plays yeah. on the right side. I work at Hockey Manitoba. I should know that. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm just joking. But I think you know, in theory, Dave. Then Schmidt gets bumped down. He's your seventh defenseman, right. and then probably your third pair is Dylan Sandberg, Neil, Neil Pionk, and then you have the best third pair in the league, right? That's right. And so I think the Jets, for me, that's what they should be looking for big picture is is a right shot defenseman that can play in your top four improve your top four but yeah if you're talking about if certain players are available look like i really do think the jets have enough forward depth to withstand the injury to kyle connor is it going to affect them of course that's the same thing as you know saying you know are the lightning going to be going to be affected if you take nikita kucherov out of the lineup mm-hmm. or are the leafs going to be affected if you take austin matthews or um you know william nylander out of the lineup of course those are your top players but I don't think you know that should necessarily be your top priority. Look, like some of these guys, like, will Konechny make you better? Yeah, he'll make you better, and I'd have no problem if the Jets acquire Konechny, depending on what the return would be. Um, but you know, we just don't see a lot of trades this time of year, and there is going to be a roster freeze. I think it's on Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, coming up, December nineteenth, I believe. Always around the holiday season, right? So that yeah. so that players don't have to worry about. And you're not traded. talking about, you know, you, Drew wasn't su- suggesting the Jets should make a trade in the next 24 hours or well, or, or two uh, days. Look, but I'll be on. I'll be fine if they make a trade in the next 43 oh, minutes. No, no, yeah, that would, yeah, that would be great for us. We'd probably do a and if it and if it was a couple hours from now, we'd probably do a pop up show, right, boys? I mean, there's enough beer here to last us oh, probably yeah. a few years. Yes, we're good. So well, uh, as a, a few years, come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As maybe a, a week. A few hours for you, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. As, he, as, he, as he throws one back. Uh, in the, hey, somebody was, somebody was asking me to shotgun a beer. I'm not going to do that. I'm when was the last time you shotgunned I'm 41 years old and I have two children. I'm not 31 anymore. So <laughs> the last time I shotgunned a beer, uh, last night, actually. No, I mean, <laughs> no, I, I, it's been a while. For sure, it's been at least six or seven years. There you go. That's probably uh, you know the responsible as the responsible version of Ezra Ginsburg. The, the irresponsible version was a lot more fun. Uh, yeah. Surprised he's alive. Trust me, Andy, Andy I, I, I wish I had that that version of me as well. As opposed to, can we watch Peppa Pig again? Like that's basically <laughs> my life. No, that's you saying it to the kids though. Is is can we watch Peppa <laughs> Pig again? We got some we got some icy fans some in the background. Fans cheering in the background. I see Colby shoveling in 
uh, some pancakes over there. So, of course, come on down. Join us at number two Donald Street, <laughs> Farmery Brewing. Uh, there you go. It's a lot of fun here on this Saturday morning talking about the Jets ahead of tonight's Jets Avalanche Pat Canu game. Canuga of CBC, awesome guy. And he's picking up some beer. There you go. Hi, Pat. Good morning. And Pat had no idea. Yeah, and, and Pat had no idea we were doing the show here this morning. He just, he's here every Saturday. <laughs> he's just got to pick up some beer nice and early. It's gonna look. It, this is going to be a fun game tonight. I think you know this is the time of the year. You know, you got you got a central division matchup. You got a home game. It's on a Saturday night. This is the first, I believe, six o'clock start uh, on a Saturday night at home this year. I think all the other afternoon games have been matinees. Yeah, if, if I'm not Saturday mistaken, games. Yeah, yeah. Saturday games yeah. I'm talking about. So the, you know, you can feel sort of a buzz anytime guys like McKinnon and McCarr come to town. There's an additional buzz, and of course, again, we talked about it really off the start. You know, ten days ago, the Jets went into Denver. And they had a, one of the better performances of the year, and they took it to the abs. And sorry, go on. No, no, no. I, no, I was going to wait till you were finished. But the, the key is consistency. Sure. The key is showing that, oh, you know, people are like, oh, it's the first game of a homestand coming off a good road trip. How are they going to react? You want to show that you can play the exact same way as you did in LA tonight in, in Winnipeg. Right. You can't have that drop off. And look, Colorado is, it's kind of a weird situation because Colorado is, again, one of those game teams that's really good at home. And they haven't been great. They've been okay on the road, but they haven't been phenomenal on the road. Well, the Avalanche so, have also, I think, only won three of their last seven. Yeah. Something like that, right? So they like, definitely hit a bit of a... And they lost to the Jets. They also lost to the Ducks in there. I know that. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, so yeah, they're 11-4-0 at home and they're 7-5-2 and on the road. Not bad, but they're just not, you know, like a top, top. Like that's not the most unbelievable road record. And it's interesting because they're both teams come up with a plus 17 goal differential. The Avs just score more, and they let in more goals. The Jets don't score as much, and they don't let in as many goals. So it'll be an interesting thing if the Jets can maintain their structure. Connor Hellebuck, you know, there was an optional skate this morning, so uh, he didn't take the option, yeah. which leads folks down at uh, Canada Life right now to believe that he'll be getting the start. No big surprise there. Yeah. <laughs> it would be so, if, he, if it's yeah, not Connor not a, not, a, not a big surprise that Connor Hellebuck. We don't know if there's going to be any other changes. One thing that was notable. Nate, they, so, I, what I was going to say is that Nate Schmidt practiced yesterday on the second yeah, power play no, unit. Yeah, Schmidt's staying in the lineup. Right. There's, there's no question about Schmidt staying in the lineup. The only thing I thought was interesting yesterday, and I did make a bit of a snafu because he wasn't wouldn't practice because he was on waivers, but but Dominic Toninato wasn't assigned to the Moose. So he could have right. played last night for the Moose. He wasn't assigned, so maybe there's something that they're someone's dealing with that they're keeping Dominic Tonnato. They wanted him; they had to clear waivers because he had exceeded the point of being with the the organization. But again, like I said, maybe we'll see him down, uh, and there's just a concern that someone's nicked. But we'll see what happens in that situation. Yeah. So, like like Dave said, an optional skate. As soon as we get more information from what's happening down at Canada Life Center, we'll bring it to you here this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show as the Jets and the Avalanche go to battle later tonight around six o'clock. Six ten will be puck drop, which means post game show right around nine o'clock. Back here on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, bringing the latest on the Winnipeg Jets and the Colorado Avalanche, a key Central Division tilt later on tonight. Right now, we are live at number two, Donald Street Farmery Brewing. Ooh, Al oh, Alex Kiss is offering to drop off baking. We Ooh. never say anything. We never say no to baking. People are feeding us. Both well, Spancy's been feeding us all morning, and now Alex is offering Hold on, what, Dave, what kind of baking are we talking about here? I I, I've never seen you turn down anything. I was so going to say, what does it yeah, matter like, to you? I, Ezzie, it's flour. Okay, yes, I'm in. <laughs> it's got flour somebody and just, sugar. Somebody just brings a big cup of flour. <laughs> Ezzie's like, ah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it'll be it'll be anyways it's very interesting we're having a ton of fun down here at number two donald street so get down here if you want some pancakes and if you want to say hello to us on this saturday I'm still morning just hoping that this beer right here doesn't fall on me or, or yeah. dave right it's now. a leaning tower yeah. of beer right now well it's always important you got to have beer right behind you at all times you know th this avalanche team we talked about it a little bit i mean they're not the juggernaut that they were when they won the stanley cup this is a team that still is still pretty good though well, they're pretty good largely on the backs of their superstars. They're yes. top heavy. We know that. So mm -hmm. you know, you know, it, to beat the Avalanche, you know what your game plan is. Now it's way easier said than done. You cannot easily shut down a Nathan McKinnon or Kale McCarr when those guys are going at full speed. They're just that dominant. Their goaltending has been iffy this year. The depth in their forward group is iffy. The depth on their back end. I would say well, and and we should mention Pavel Francos is injured. He hasn't right. played yet this year. I and don't I believe. don't think he. It doesn't sound like he's coming back anytime no, and, soon. And I don't know how many people could name the Avalanche backup. It's Ivan Prosvasov, and he's actually been not bad. He's played, I think, nine games, uh, and he's won more games than he's lost, Dave. But I, I think we all expect Gorgiev to be in goal. And Gorgiev tonight. hasn't been has not no, been very good no. at all. No, and that's kind Sub of nine hundred save percentage over a three goals against average. I so think it's a three. Okay, well. So how about close to three? Well, and the over three. Fair, uh, at three. Fair, well, fine. and you go back to the year that they won the cup, right? Like Philip Grubauer started off as the starting goalie. And then, of course, Darcy Kemper took over right. when they won the Stanley Cup. But I'm with you, Drew. I mean, look, Gorgiev, I think, is a good NHL goaltender. I just think right now he's not playing at the level they expected him to play at. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he, you know, if he's playing at that level, he's up there with Hellebuck or Sorokin or UC Soros or Vasilevsky or whoever you want to say you know, are the top goalies in the league. But I think there's no doubt that, you know, the, the Avalanche right now are not playing their best, right? Like we talked about it. They're three, three, three and one, Dave. I think they won three of their last seven. I know that. I think they're five, three and two, something like that mm -hmm. in their last 10, right? Like, so not the worst record ever, but, right. you know, the Jets have been playing much better yeah. and they've been closing that gap between themselves and the stars in the Avalanche. So I, again, you know, we mentioned this earlier, guys. We're not going to say this is like a statement game we're not going to say, you know, a measuring stick or any of that crap. I mean, the Jets already beat the Avalanche. The Jets already beat the Kings. Yes, they've lost to the Stars. They've lost to the Golden Knights multiple times. Yeah, um, both teams. But it's going to be a close game, right? Like, there's no doubt that when the Jets went into Denver and won that game, they took the lead. They never looked back. Yeah. Nathan McKinnon scored a really nice goal, posterizing Logan Stanley. You would have posterized and then he contributed. Anybody, he, and then he also, I forget who scored the goal. Um but he also had an assist on the the second goal that the Avalanche scored. I forgot who 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 got it. But the point is, the Avalanche are very good. They're going to be a tough test. You're obviously going to have to shut down the McKinnon Ranton in line. Yeah. But well, you're also going to have to worry about Kale McCarr, who has the ability to basically. I mean, he can do Nikolai Ehlers type of stuff when he gets in the offensive zone. You got to be careful because that guy, even though he's recovering from an injury, I mean, he has the ability just with his individual skill. To change to, to, to change the course of a game, Dave. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any question about it. And and look, this is this is the kind of test you're right, Izzy. It's not 37 points in 27 games is kind of absurd in today's NHL for a defenseman. No, I mean it's what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, again, what him and Hughes are doing, it's it's overshadowing. Even like we talk about how Quinn good, Hughes on Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, but we're talking about like you know, folks are talking about Josh Morrissey and how good his kind of season has been following up his phenomenal season last year, yeah. but it really is overshadowed well, by what guys like McCarr and Hughes are doing. Those guys are in another stratosphere. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But I'm just saying that it's, but, but Morris is having an excellent season. Right. And you know, what did he played 30 minutes against Anaheim the other day. Like he's been, he's been unbelievable. It's just not to get to that level because you've got guys like McCarr and Hughes who are having ridiculous years. So look, uh, it's going to be a fun game and you're right. It's not necessarily like, 
every one of these games as you can't just play every game that's a top against the top team. Well, it's a statement game. It's a statement game. No, it's not. It's just, it's an important game. It's, it's going to be a good challenge for your test. And again, to me, the biggest statement, if you will, is the fact that you want to see that the team is going to play to their style, not the out, let the abs come in. Look, right. the abs are too good a team to not allow, know that they're going to have some dictating of the pace and the gameplay. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you want to be the one, especially if you're the home team, mm -hmm. to be able to kind of set the tone. And that's what it'll be curious to see how the Jets do, which line they start with, and, and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it, it should be a lot of fun tonight. Well, you're, to your point there, Dave, the Jets know how they need to win. They know how the game needs to look for them to be successful. And I think against San Jose in particular. Yeah, put Connor Hellebuck in there. Well, you know, against San Jose, they got away from that. You know, when they played their game against the Sharks, they controlled the play. San Jose was only able to sort of take advantage when they got, when became Open more of a, a Jets had a, a bad start game. in that game. The well, first had, yeah. first 10 minutes, they were asleep. They were definitely awful in the first 10 minutes. But the, for the Jets to succeed, you know, the, it, they know what their game needs to look like. They know wh when they're at their best, how their game looks. And there's no question about it. And they've been pretty good so far this year at, at, at making their opponent play to their style. Now against Colorado, if you're going to start, you know, wheeling and dealing against, you know, McCarr and McKinnon and Rantanen, you're going to put a lot of pressure on your goaltender, mm -hmm. you know, and, mm -hmm. and Connor Hellebuck oftentimes can match that and can can handle that, but that's not how the Jets want to be. So they have to be able to, you know, play the right way, just like they did ten days ago in Denver. That's the right way that they to play. They know it's like look mirror this game how they did against denver now of course they didn't have kyle connor in their lineup then so that's obviously going to change things uh to a to a fair degree but it's not like they don't know the recipe for success now it's a matter of emulating that again tonight yeah and that recipe involves just being tenacious when you're you're defending and forechecking right like <laughs> the jets like what i keep thinking is like we said this over the years like we always would say the, the golden knights like the way they play it's like killer bees like dave and i always joke about you know being killer bees and and that's the thing with the la game is after that first period which the kings were the better team yeah. i think we'd agree especially you know earlier on the game even though they're let's not forget lucky power play you know they got away with a penalty fluky goal scored by laferriere i hope i'm pronouncing his name right you are um but look after that i mean the jets were all over the kings and they they, they really didn't let the kings break out of their own zone cleanly and they became aggressive that's what, that when the jets are aggressive and they're playing within their structure and blah 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 um you know they're a very difficult team to beat yeah no i i think there's no question about it and and like we said you know if you if you don't lose this, if you don't win this game it's not like the you you're no longer planning the parade but you're not planning the parade regardless you just want to show that you can again replicate the success you've had against colorado against um against la and not fall into a to a rut so again you know, you had a really good post Kyle Connor era start. Let's see how they can continue. By the way, Dave and producer Tim, it's nice to see Drew doing this symbol. I right? I thought I that's, was on TV. That's, that's <laughs> like back in the back in the radio days. Yeah. Tim remembers that. Like it would be every we'd take our breaks every fifteen or so minutes, and Drew would do his that's little. That's the symbol yeah. for going to break, and I totally forgot for. A I'm second. like Drew. I'm like you keep doing. It. I'm like I'm like you could just send me a message in I the totally chat. I totally forgot you know? that we're actually that, that that there's a camera on me. Whereas back on the day, you could just pinch my thigh, Drew. Right, That'll do. Do that. In any event, let's go to break. When we come back, uh, Megan Angley covers the Colorado Avalanche for DM. 
DNVR uh, Avalanche. She's going to join us for more on tonight's opponent for the Winnipeg Jets, the Colorado Avalanche. We're live at number two Donald Street. We're live at Farmery Brewery. There's pancakes, there's bacon, there's beer. Come join us. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show sweet, Saturday sweet, morning, sweet, sweet live on all of our social media platforms and live on location. We are back live, number two, Donald Street, Farmery Brewing. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show Saturday morning, talking about the Jets and the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche doing battle later on tonight. To talk about that and to talk about the Jets' opponent, we're pleased to be joined by Megan Angley of DNVR Avalanche. She covers the Avs for that fine site. Megan, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing fine and dandy. We're surrounded by beer. We got a guy in the parking lot making pancakes and bacon. <laughs> say, so... Megan's never been on the show before. She's <laughs> going to think we're all alcoholics and we do this every Saturday. No, this yes. is a similar vibe to DNVR. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Exactly. You know, it's amazing how people come out when you tell them there's pancakes, there's bacon, and there's beer. It's uh, the, the crowds. The crowds show up in swarms. But uh, obviously, uh, we brought you on, Megan, to talk about the Avs ahead of tonight's contest in downtown Winnipeg. Uh, a key Central Division matchup between these two teams who are very close to one another in the standings. And it was only 10 days ago that the Jets went into Denver and knocked off the Avalanche. And, and, and since then, I would say uh, the Avalanche have had maybe a, a, a more noise swirling around them than we're typically used to, and not necessarily good noise. I want to start with the, you know, the the I don't know if it's a battle, but the the comments between Miko Rantanen and Arturi Lekkinen and Lekkinen's dad. I mean, from the on the ground situation in Denver, just how bizarre of a situation is that when you got one teammate going after another teammate's dad it was a really interesting situation but it also requires some understanding of Miko Rantanen he runs a little hot but he also loves his teammates including Arturi Lekkanen I know that they're very close and remain very close even on the heels of that because I think the culture in hockey generally is being able to turn the page on things like that pretty quickly it was just a heat of the moment kind of thing in that post game that he stood by in the end too. I think he needed to address Arturi Lekkanen's father, Ismo, in some way because he really took issue with Lekkanen's dad criticizing his off-season training specifically. He said, you can criticize my on-ice play as much as you want. And I think that's true of who Mika Rantanen is. But when you start talking about how I take care of myself away from the rink, that's where I start to have some issues. And I think that's a pretty valid perspective. I think the anger that was met with that perhaps was more than anybody was expecting and did catch us off guard. But he also carried on the rest of that post-game interview so normally that you almost would have missed it if you were other media in the room at a different scrum. And so at that next day and the days that have followed, it seems like everyone has turned the page on that. And I don't doubt because of how close Lekkanen and his father are to Antonin that they've buried the hatchet behind the scenes even more so. It was very weird, though, to be boots on the ground when that happened because he talked to media after because he was really wanting this to be put out there. And I thought that was really interesting from Miko Rantanen's perspective. And Megan, we swear that we didn't ask Joe Sackick to make a trade so we could just talk to you about it. But uh, <laughs> Thomas, Thomas Tatar was traded yesterday. And, you know, I mean, anybody can look at his stats and see that he only had one goal in 27 games, I believe. But is that trade more so for freeing up the cap space or, you know, just to get something back? It was a fifth round pick from the Seattle Kraken. Like, I actually thought that was a pretty good signing because that was late 
in in free agency, if you want to say that, right? It was in September that the Avalanche signed Tatar for $1.5 million. But I guess uh, for people who don't follow the Avalanche as closely, obviously, as you do, why was that trade made by the Avalanche to trade Tatar for that draft pick? I think there's a few reasons. The timing of it happening now, even on the heels of him finally scoring his first goal as an Av very recently here, it points to the opportunity. It feels courteous, in my opinion. Like there was probably an open line of communication between both player and front office, if you ask me. I think going to Seattle is no accident. It's a better stylistic fit with more opportunity for a middle six, top six role down the line. Whereas Arturi Lekkinen is a player that the Avs are expecting back in about four to five weeks. Is Gabriel Landeskog going to be available in the playoffs? There's a prospect coming over from the KHL later this season, Nikolai Kovalenko. And that's going to be a lot of winger depth in the top six specifically, even just with Arturi Lekkinen returning. That the opportunity that remained in Colorado for Tomas Tatar just started to make less and less sense. And the production just wasn't there to match. And so it felt like... It was such a savvy move from the front office at the beginning because, like you said, one year, 1.5, that's a really easy contract to give a 20-goal scorer from the year before. Obviously, that production didn't follow with him, and I think it just wasn't the right fit in Colorado. And as a courtesy to this player, Tomas Tatar, who I think was a really well-liked personality in the room, there's opportunity in Seattle. And it moves a contract out. It clears out a little bit of that cap space. And so I do think that another move would follow, and I don't think they would have done it now if they didn't have something in the works to happen relatively soon. But it is an interesting situation because they are expecting Arturi Lekkinen back in about a month. Are they looking for something then that is going to be more of a short-term solution in the top six? And when Arturi Lekkinen returns, they're put in more of a fourth-line role because that's then asking for a very unique type of player and I'm curious to see what they knew next, but I do think they do something. Well, Megan, just for until they do that, it's not that something that you think they're going to do. They're going to the Colorado Eagles of the AHL and and getting players. So how have those guys stepped up in the roles that they've been needed to uh, getting this new opportunity with the Avalanche? There have been a few players that have risen to the occasion. Ben Myers is a forward who's up with the team right now. He was signed out of college as a free agent and his NHL debut was one of those seasons where he made a few appearances and then wasn't eligible to play in the playoffs, then played in NHL games that next season, and he struggled a little bit. He really worked hard, though, on becoming an NHL centerman. He played center in college, was extremely productive there, but was having trouble getting that game to translate at the National League level. But he's taken a lot of steps forward to become more reliable defensively. That has earned some trust with Jared Bednar. And he scores a goal in his first call-up of this year, and so I think that's why he's going to remain up with the group for the time being. And another winger option that I think they'd be eyeing for Tomas Tatar's replacement in the meantime is Riley Tufty. He came over from the Dallas organization this summer with Freddie Olofsson, and both of these players have been such a good cultural fit for Colorado. They have very positive attitudes, especially Riley Tufty. He understands that he is going up and up and down between the American League and the National League. He's a huge, long player that likes to get to the front of the net, has a pretty good shot, and has been very productive at the American League level. It's hard to keep him there, but he's been very patient, and I think that he could step up into Tomas Tatar's place. Megan Angley is our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. She covers the Colorado Avalanche for DNVR Avalanche, the Jets and the Avs later tonight in downtown Winnipeg, the Illegal Curve postgame show right around 9 p.m. tonight. Megan, the, the goaltending for the Avalanche has been a bit of a sore spot, I think it would be safe to say. You know, how does Alexander Gorgiev sort of 
take that next step. It's been an issue really since the cup winning year when Darcy Kemper really took the team on the on their back. Pavel Francouz is out of the lineup for the foreseeable future. How concerned is the organization with the state of the goaltending as we sit here, you know, 26, 27 games into the season? I think that Prozvatov stepping up in the way that he has these last few games changed my opinion about the goaltending situation because before that would be where I felt there were the most vulnerabilities because of the body of work Georgiev, Georgiev produced in his inaugural season with the Avs last year. He really demonstrated to me and I believe the front office that he can be a reliable starter. There have been some struggles for Georgiev at the start of this year and not having Pavel Franco's as an option gave me a lot of concern for a backup, especially looking at a playoff situation where they needed Pablo Francois to sweep the Western Conference final. It, it's very important. And so Prozvatov stepping up the way that he has while Georgiev is sorting through, I think it's a very mental lull for him right now. Everything that he did last year points to an upward swing, in my opinion. And I think that the Avs as a team usually have tough Decembers. And then a lot of that momentum, especially as they start to see the playoff window in sight, it starts to happen for the goaltender too. And so I'm not personally worried about Georgiev just because of what he was able to do for the Avs last year under so much duress because of injury. It's Prozvatov who I believe is getting the start tonight again. And it's interesting because I think that is the type of thing that would motivate a player like Georgiev because he does believe that is his starter's net. And to see Prozvatov get those chances to start, I think is good for the Avs front office to see who they have in Prozvatov. He has had a difficult time in Arizona in the opportunities that he had to start with the Coyotes. And I think that he's also looking to have a new start here in Colorado. So I'm more optimistic than I was before, but Georgiev does need to get things right a little bit mentally. He has been struggling. And Megan, that's some good breaking news because up until that point, we didn't know Prozvatov was starting. And as you mentioned, so thank you for that. Uh, And as you mentioned, he was drafted by Arizona in the fourth round back in 2018. He's got four wins for the Avalanche. So I don't know, you know, for those folks who aren't watching the Avalanche all the time, um, as you mentioned, you know, he's been a bit of a revelation there with Pavel Francos out of the lineup. And I wanted to ask you about Ryan Johansson, because I remember we were talking about Ryan Johansson on the show when the Avalanche traded for him. And I think you'd agree it was kind of a, a split jury in terms of, you know, what people thought of that acquisition, because Johansson's been a bit of a polarizing player uh, going back to his days with uh, Nashville and before that uh, Columbus. But how would you kind of assess his first 27, 28 games uh, with the Avalanche? I saw that he's got nine goals, only two assists. So he, I guess he's going for the Cy Young Award or something. But um, how would you assess Ryan Johansson as the Avs' second-line center? I think the issue has, you know, I would say there's more to do. There's more to give. The cultural fit, which I say a lot, is related to what the Avs front office seeks in their players because of what the players want in their teammates. And I think he is a great fit in that sense. He is such a nice guy to have in the room, and he's gelled really well with the team from a chemistry perspective. The issue, I think, has been that second line has not figured itself out. The Avs have a pretty reliable group of players to choose between for that top line. Third line is set. It's that second line that has not quite figured out its identity, and it's been a revolving door of players, too. Ryan Johansson has sort of been the mainstay there as the second line center. And so I think not having consistency in players that complement what he is, he needs a, a player who's a worker, a player who is going to retrieve pucks and win battles. And that is where someone like Val Nachushkin, who has been playing up in the lineup, is especially helpful, or Arturi Lekkonen is especially helpful. But not having those players, I think, has hurt 
the strengths of Ryan Johansson's game because we're not seeing the strengths of his game because I don't think speed is the strength of his game, but he is another player that does like to get to the front of the net and on the power play especially has been a helpful contributor in the bumper spot. And then the other thing that he's brought that has been as advertised is his face-off wins. That has been a struggle for the entirety of the Avs for a while. And it is one of those things that matters situationally, no matter how you swing it. And that has certainly improved then the Avs possession just by having Ryan Johansson on that second line. He's a pretty reliable guy to send out there in a lot of different situations. And so that part has been as advertised, but I think there's more to give. And I think that's why Tomas Tatar moving on from him makes sense because these two players didn't quite complement each other and they should then target somebody who is better going to comprehend Johansson. You know, Megan, uh, after the Jets beat the Avs uh, on, uh, you know, a couple of Thursdays ago, uh, Jared, uh, head coach Jared Bednar said, we've got, I'm reading from your website, we got to get more guys going in the same direction. It's costing us. And then they subsequently lost to the Flyers, but then they've picked up wins over the Flames and the Sabres. So do, do, has he spoken, you know, eight days later about that, the idea that does he feel like the team is now kind of all pulling in that same direction? I think so. You know, that especially was a wake-up call to the team's stars, and it felt like it was directed at Miko Rantanen in a few ways, and not in a malicious way. He was giving Miko Rantanen so much opportunity to get out of the rut that he was in, giving him even more ice time to help him work through it. And so Miko Rantanen did. He did eventually break through a lot of that lull that was troubling him. Valnichushkin also started to produce. Nathan McKinnon has continued to. That was not directed at him. And then on the whole, I know that they're trying to get more contributions from everywhere. The only person I feel like that's not directed at that would say it is, is Kale McCarr. But Kale McCarr (laughs) used to be such a reliable player for them. But I I know that Kale McCarr, if you asked him today, would say that he has more to give as well. I think that Jared Bednar is very happy with how the team has responded to the Winnipeg and the Flyers games. And it's now a matter of consistency. And I think he just needs to see players like Miko Rantanen not just get started, but also continue to stack together very good games. Uh, Megan, you talk about you know the need to stack together some very good games. You know, y- you look at the off-season acquisitions or the guys who are really trying to fill in some of that depth, the depth losses uh, that really happen to every team once they get the great success, the cap being what it is. Uh, they can't keep that roster together. They bring in a guy like Jonathan Duran. They bring in Miles Wood. They bring in Ross Colton. You know, who needs to contribute more than they currently are for the Avs to feel comfortable with their forward depth? I always pick a weird answer when I get asked that, but it's because of what players were brought in to do and what right. their role is specifically. And I think that Jonathan Duran coming in on the contract that he did was very low risk, high reward. And I think he's starting to come into that. So I'm actually really happy with what Jonathan Duran has been contributing. The Pearson that I look to is Freddie Olison on that fourth line. And it is only because that is one of the biggest strengths of a playoff team is depth. And they need a reliable fourth line center. And that has just been a little bit of a tough area for Freddie Olsen at times, but there are parts of his game that he contributes that are also so important to this team. He's a PK specialist. He's just not been very good in the faceoff dot. And it has then struggled for that line to get good ice some of the time. And that's where I'd be saying he has more to give because Wood and Colton, especially together, have not only been as advertised, but they complement each other so well as players that before Tomash Tatar was traded, that would probably have been my answer, but now it's more so Freddie Olsen. Megan, wanted to ask you about Sam Malinsky because I'm if my if my memory serves me correctly, his first career NHL point was that game against Winnipeg, and he's from Minnesota. 
and there's obviously a lot of Minnesota players on the Jets, not too far away from us here in Manitoba. Uh, and obviously injuries, you know, presented an opportunity for Sam Walensky. But what have you thought of, of his game? And, and has anything, the way he's played, has that changed maybe your, I know he's undrafted, uh, which is amazing that he's making his debut at 25 years old. But has that maybe changed what you maybe thought the ceiling was for a prospect like Malinsky? I've been a Sam Malinsky believer since they brought him over from Cornell because he was made to be an Avalanche-style defenseman. Especially if you look at some of his college games or what he's done at the American League level, when you see him at his best and at his most confident, he does like to walk the blue line in search of the perfect play and lean into the offensive side of his game. He's been working on then getting adjusted to the NHL pace and being reliable defensively in his own end. In that Winnipeg Jets game, he gets his first point, but he also screens his own, goal, his own goaltender. It's tough. It's like there have been some... I purposely goals. left that out, by the way, Megan. <laughs> I, you know what? I'll say it. I really like Sam Alinsky. I think that is evident, too, in Bednar continuing to give him games because there have been some big mistakes, but the reward has been greater. And I think that's something excited, and there's starting to be fewer and fewer mistakes, too. He is a really smart defenseman. I think because he's 25, too, he's a lot more physically mature coming straight from college. He's also very mature. He was the Cornell captain, so he already is very mature as a player and has a lot of pro habits. And I think that is why he's been able to acclimate to the NHL maybe maybe sooner than I've seen other young defensemen acclimate. And I think he has a lot of great teachers in that room to learn from, even just by watching. I think that some of his stick plays defensively remind me of Devon Taves. I think some of his edric at the blue line would remind you only a tinge of Kale McCarr. And I think that's why he's such a stylistic fit for the Avalanche. And they've had pretty great success with working with defensemen at the American League level that I think he's ready to get in more NHL games and with Sam Gerrard away from the team, the opportunity is there for him. Even if he needed to continue working at the American League level, I think he is an NHL player. It's just a matter of time. You know, Megan, last week, Elliot Friedman reported that Gabriel Landeskog, the captain of the Avalanche, who's obviously out uh, with his knee injury, is coming back to Denver to rehab. Uh, how big is his return, obviously not on the ice, but to be around the team? How important will the return of the captain be for the Denver, uh, the Colorado Avalanche? I thought you were about to say Denver Nuggets there. No, I, wasn't I was, sure. was going to say into Denver, and then I said then I switched it to Colorado Avalanche. It's huge. I know there's a lot of new personnel that aren't familiar with him as a captain, but it doesn't take long being around Landeskog to learn why he's so valuable to the team. And for the guys that know him, he's invaluable. Jared Bednar describes him as a second coach, and that's why obviously his on-ice contributions are so important. But just being around the team is also incredibly important because he is such a steady presence, and he's the kind of guy that you want to play for and so having him around not that the Avs need anything to dig deeper to find motivation but I do think that having him around is a benefit to everybody. Mangan Angley covers the Colorado Avalanche for DNVR Avalanche. She'll have coverage of tonight's Jets Avalanche game post game. Megan, appreciate your time and insight this morning. Thanks so much for joining us on the Illegal Curve Hockey Thanks, Show. Guys. Take care Megan. Thanks, Thanks Megan. so much for joining us. Say hi us. to AJ for us. I will. Yeah, we've had him on the show before. Awesome. Yeah. Take care. Thanks, Megan. Take care, Megan. Bye. There she goes, Megan Ingley, joining us this morning. Great first appearance for Megan on the program. Couple first timers with uh, with Ross yep. Levitan and Megan Ingley. You never forget your first time, Drew. Well, <laughs> I'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember your first time? Hey, we're coming up on how many years of the Illegal Gravaki Show? 
Uh, well, no, 16? It was, no, wasn't it? No, it's what are you talking about 16? 2009 was the 15th the year anniversary is yeah. coming up in early February. February. Was it 09? I couldn't yeah. remember if it was 08 yeah. or 09. The website debuted in 2007 and the the show did be in 2009. I should know because I've been on for all 15 oh, years. You, you haven't missed an episode in 15 years on, on top of everything there. Uh, anyways, great performance, great appearance by Megan last night. Uh, pardon me, this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. I'm getting a little ahead you need of a myself. Beer, Drew. I like, know. That's what you need. I, I've honestly, been drinking this beer. I'm almost done it. Yeah, you're, you're, you got to switch to beer, man. Yeah, clearly, it's all, it's almost 11 a.m. So I think I can. that's the official uh, beer o'clock because we're live here at Farmery Brewing. Number two, Donald Street, their retail location. There's pancakes and bacon at the tailgate in the parking lot so if you're driving around and you're listening to us be sure to head down here grab some delicious beverages grab something to eat we got uh, producer tim doing his great job colby spence the photographer we, we deserve producer tim always deserves kudos but especially today because he's basically doing the show from like his knees uh, he's sitting on the floor his knees are going to be shot for two hours we didn't have a proper seat for producer tim so we always give him big props but especially today because he's doing it uh in a precarious situation exactly uh tim is the hero of the program as we've all said more and more and more than once uh <laughs> as we were talking about the jets and the avalanche the that game later on tonight right around six o'clock puck drop in downtown winnipeg and then the post game show about nine o'clock back here on our youtube channel and all of our social media platforms it'll be a great uh time later on tonight talking about the jets and the avalanche and recapping everything that goes love on love that six o'clock start you think you're being sarcastic? I'm being sarcastic. Okay, yeah, I figured as much. Given yeah. that uh, it's not conducive, uh, no. is what as he's saying. That's a start time where Naomi just like shakes her head and she's like, "Oh, so I guess I'm doing dinner time again tonight." <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, you cook? No, I no. That's the whole point. I don't cook, bro. But you never cook, so what? Doesn't she just? Isn't yeah, she doing dinner time? Helping, I mean, I know, I know how to you know dial a phone and you know order a pizza. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I, I know, mean, I know how to put dinner saying, on the table. But I'm saying, even if there's no Jets game, what contribution are you making? That's the part that I'm confused uh, just, about. Just being a warm body. Oh, okay. Basically, yeah, just just being there to support Naomi. But yeah, I mean, I've told you guys, I definitely prefer the seven o'clock, eight o'clock starts. But the yeah. good thing is. With the six o'clock start, yeah. game's over early, and then you can you know head to the nightclub after. I know you're going to go clubbing tonight. Is yeah. it TYC or Scandals? Uh, I'm more of a Palladium guy. Mm, you know, but, get, uh, get Palladium at the Palladium? Yeah. <laughs> Is Monty's Bar 1 still open? No, it became a condo. I think they knocked it down. I'm pretty sure it's, it's gone altogether. Uh, we are old, is what we just discovered in the course of that. Drew, do you want to go to the Charlie tonight with me? Uh, it's now a co-op gas station. So, uh, sure, we'll head there a little bit later on. I, can, I do need to fill up with some petrol. We can just drink by a pump. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> well, you know, you can buy an, uh, I mean, people might worry about our mental health, but... You know. <laughs> I think they might worry about our not, mental health based on this yeah, conversation. I was going yeah, to say that nothing's changed in no, nothing you know, 15 years of it, doing the show. Exactly right. I'll tell you what, uh, the Moose did not have a good performance last night for all of the latest on the Manitoba Moose. Manuka has been champing at the bit for this. Put on your antlers. It's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. In here, Drew, or chomping because uh, the it's, cha it's champing. No, no, I know what it I is. I like that okay. comment but from CMAC, by the way. Timmy, I don't think you can see it, but CMAC is saying that we should provide Timmy with a 2 4 of farmery illegal curve beer. And I couldn't agree more. That's a, we'll that's a good idea. We, we'll see if we can make a flat available for Timmy. Yeah. Or we can just walk out with it. It's fine. The farmer guys will be cool with that. <laughs> You're but... about to be crushed by them that are, that are over <laughs> yeah. your head. That's how the show ends. The show oh, ends yeah. with just a, a, the, the leaning tower of beer just collapsing onto Dave. Oh, uh, we'll see. Well, hopefully not. But anyway, so yeah, just quickly, uh, Dominic Conata wasn't reassigned 
Uh, we'll see if Rick Bonus has anything to say. I don't think his comments, if it was anything uh, come out of his presser yet. Uh, I haven't seen anything. Not that I've yet. seen. So yeah. um, seems it was an optional skate this morning. Yeah, but he Jets. still would have spoken oh, around 1030. So yeah. uh, obviously nothing of super relevance. Otherwise, we've been tweeted out. Uh, Chaz Lucius returned the Jets 2021 first round. He was dealing with a lower body issue. He missed both games last week in Calgary. He returned to the game last night, as did Kyle Capobianco, who was dealing with a hip issue. So he uh, was back in the lineup after missing both games in Calgary. Um just an interesting, I mean, it's funny because Milwaukee and uh, Manitoba played each other 12 times in the regular season, five times in the playoffs last year. And yet this was the first meeting of the two divisional rivals. So uh, it was, and and obviously they're the Nashville Farm Club, have a lot of really good talent on that Milwaukee team, a lot of, of first rounders. So it's a pretty good team. They've obviously got uh, Askarov in net. And, and we saw, I, I said last night, jokingly, I see some Mikel Burden, not because of country of origin, yeah. but he likes to play the puck, that guy, and he's behind the net was doing all sorts of machinations. Anyways, uh, the Moose took like 1 million and one penalties in that first period, literally had six, two, five on threes. Colin Delia was the only reason they, they got out of that first period without, with it only being down one, nothing. They gave up a goal on the five on three that made them one, down one, nothing. And then uh, in the second, they actually controlled the play, but uh, the Admirals are the one who, out, they outshot him 14-7, got outscored 2-1. So not ideal. They were down three, nothing. Wide Bon Giovanni, he's heating up. Remember the college free agent signed out of Quinnipiac uh, College. He is um, he is up to seven goals now on the season. But they were so they were down three one going to the third. They had some momentum in the third, couldn't get things really going, and then the uh, Admirals made it four one five one, and that was all she wrote. And as you would anticipate, a little bit of fun stuff uh, between those two uh, towards the end of the game and uh, setting itself up for a good rematch. Tomorrow afternoon, and of course, should mention tomorrow's game is the teddy bear toss game. So right. bring a, a, a. I think they'll wrap it for you, but if you if you can wrap it in plastic, and then you'll throw it on in during the first intermission, and the the, the bears I believe go to the uh, Christmas cheer board. So it's uh, helping to Great cause. bring uh, cheer to folks who need it in uh, the, this holiday season. Spencey's actually going to be throwing me on the ice tomorrow. <laughs> oh yeah, Dave. So <laughs> the human teddy. No, bear. just uh, looking at the roster of the Milwaukee Admirals. Yes. Uh, Dennis Gurianov. I know. <laughs> totally didn't realize he had 20 goals for the starts five years ago. They got a good team. They got a good team. I yep. mean, a lot of the guys have graduated less than five with- years ago, 2019 20. Dennis Gurianov had remember, 20 goals for the starts. And remember, they've got a lot of guys who have graduated up to Nashville already, right? Like, like there's a there's a number of guys, Cody Glass, Luke Evangelista. There's there's you know, Lyakov Trenin. There's a number of guys who are no longer Tommy playing. Novak. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable how many of these guys from the AHL have graduated, and yet they still got a pretty good core group of guys in the HL. Liam Foody had a, a bit of a serious injury uh, in the second. Yeah. He got hit. Got hit. It looked like in the eye. And the reason I say that is because the trainer put the, the towel over his face and it's kind of guiding him off the ice. But I was told that someone asked me and he was he was apparently doing better, which I'm, I was happy to be able to report because uh, it didn't look great. But uh, apparently he was feeling better after the game. So that's good. That's a good sign for him. Before we wrap up this morning, live at Farmery Brewing, number two, Donald Street, I want to make mention something cool that's going to happen at the tonight's Jets game. For the first time ever, it's going to be a Punjabi English version mm-hmm. of O Canada. Awesome. Uh, it's South Asian Heritage Night at tonight's game. So the... Uh, oh, the national anthem, the uh, the O Canada tonight is going to be sung by the kindergarten to grade eight choir from Amber Trail School. It's the first it's my old neck of the woods. It is your old neck of the woods. It's the Maples. first uh, Punjabi English 
bilingual program. Awesome. So they're going to be singing the national anthem in both English and Punjabi tonight. So that's going to be something to uh, take note of, and that'll be a pretty cool experience uh, for all of those kids and then everyone who's in attendance and watching uh, both live at home and in the downtown arena later on tonight. Uh, it's been a great morning down here at Farmery Brewery, number two Donald Street. And for all of you joining us live this morning online, uh, also been great. It's been a ton of fun. We're still, the, the, the grill is still on. So if you're in the neighborhood, because I haven't had any pancakes yet. I don't I'm know starving. You, okay, so we're going to go get some pancakes. Uh, we're going to go get some bacon. We're going to go chat, chat it up. Well, Dave's not going to get any bacon, but we might have well, bacon. Dave, we, you and I will have Dave's share of the bacon. Is I think what definitely Dave M. Going don't to dig happen. on pig. Yeah, no, Dave M is not a big fan. He keeps I don't that dine on swine. Yeah, he keeps that kosher flag flying. We appreciate it's that. It's a filthy animal. <laughs> it's number <laughs> later on tonight. It is going to be the illegal curve. It's also a delicious animal, but uh, later on tonight it is going to be the illegal curve post game show after the Jets and the Colorado Avalanche. So be sure to join us back here on our YouTube channel later on, right around nine o'clock. Going to recap everything that goes on between the Jets and the Colorado Avalanche in this epic Central Division matchup tonight. Want to say a big thank you to all of our sponsors who make this show, the post game show, the website a possibility. First of all, first and foremost, our friends here at Farmery Beer. They've been great hosts for yeah. us, making this a reality doing the show here. So big shout out to Farmery Beer and of course Illegal Curve Logger. It's right behind Dave, so be sure to come it's down. It's about to crush Dave Manuk <laughs> yeah. here. And, so, and and you know, I just wanted to say, Drew, before yeah. you thank our other sponsors yeah. here. Anybody who believe who doesn't think that dreams come true, <laughs> 15 years ago when we started this show, I said, one day, boys, we will have our own beer and we will broadcast surrounded, ensconced by beer. So if anybody tells you dreams don't come true, yeah. I am living proof that dreams do come true. It takes 15 years, but you you get your own beer. So thank you to the fine folks at Farmery. There you go. And big thank you, of course, to the, all of our other sponsors for their support. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Dave Williamson in town tonight. Uh, there's, a, I think, a few tickets left for the late shows. So you can get those rumorscomedyclub.com. Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, Betway. They're the title sponsor of the postgame show. Our friends at Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, and Rolly's Trance for support all of these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve hockey in case you missed any of the show the podcast will be available very shortly and of course you can always watch the instant replay on our youtube channel big thanks to megan angley big thanks to ross levitan for joining us on the show big thanks to all of you for joining us live on location here at farmery farmery brewery we'll see you later on tonight for the illegal curve post game show producer tim doing a great job photographer colby here as well dave manuk ezra ginsburg i'm your host drew mandel if it's saturday it's the illegal curve hockey show live on location and live on all of our social media platforms thanks for listening to this broadcast from illegal curve hockey for more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.